All right, this week's guest was a fun one. We had Joe Sexton in the booth. Now, he provided some great perspective on being a pro snowboarder, as well as being a company owner with his brand, Public Snowboards. So there's a lot of entrepreneurial advice as well. Uh, Joe talks about his road to recovery from his traumatic brain injury, his cover, his six-year battle on the the 300-foot rail. And my personal favorite thing about this episode is that Joe shows his true personality. He is authentically hilarious. I really think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. I want to take this time to say thank you for your continued support. It's overwhelming. It's incredible. If you want to show support in a small way, you can write a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out a lot. And lastly, we have Joe Sexton's signed prints from the famous 300-foot rail, the cover of Snowboarder Magazine, that shot. We have that signed print available at bombhole.com with all of our merch. That's where you can find our Patreon. If you're interested, head on over to bombhole.com. Okay, let's get into it, the Joe Sexton episode. Here we go. You are listening to the Bombhole. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. Good boy. slide down in big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go again. Another week, another bomb hole. I'm sitting in the booth next to Stony Buds. How are you doing, my friend? So good. Love hearing that. Love hearing that. This episode is very near and dear to my heart. Because I have a close friend of yourself and mine, buds, Mr. Joe Sexton, in the booth. Thank you for having me. <laughs> What's going on, Joe? How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be in the booth and be in Salt Lake City and snowboard a bunch. And it's been a fun, really fun trip so far. Beautiful. Yeah, Joe's been uh, crashing on the couch uh, doing his normal thing. It looks like a goddamn bomb went off. Uh, board bag, shit everywhere. I'm trying to live to the bomb hole, dude. <laughs> Created your own bomb hole. Yeah, I created my own bomb hole. <laughs> yeah, he really likes to uh, make myself at home. <laughs> make well, himself at home. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Well, um, let's dive back. One thing, you know, everybody knows you as Joe Sexton, the pro snowboarder, and you started your own company, you know, public. But one thing that's absolutely fascinating that a lot of people don't know is that you have a twin brother. And now your twin brother Dan played in the NHL, and he's a pro hockey player, pro snowboarder. Other brother's a pro hockey player. Let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild that he has gotten to where he's gotten because I remember as a kid, we were both, you know, seven, eight years old playing hockey, and it was like mites and squirts and all these things. And I was tripped because, like, he had to be that persistent from squirts and mites to the NHL, whereas, like, I kind of bounced around, like, played other sports, got in other things, and then kind of found snowboarding around 12, 13, and then maybe got to where I'm at. He had to be that consistent that whole time, making that A-level team, then high school, then college. And the cool thing I remember is every single step, every one of his coaches was like, well, that's it. You're not going to play high school. Plays high school. You're not going to make varsity. Make varsity. Well, you won't play college. Plays college. You're definitely not going to play in the AHL. Goes to the AHL. And, well, that's it because there's no way you're making to the NHL. No one does. And then you get signed to the Ducks. So it was cool that he was told he's not going to make it every single step of the way. And he did. So it was really, really impressive for me to just see that. It was cool. Oh, you you one, think that pushed him further? Yeah, for sure. He was always going to be too small or too this. And, you know, the NHL, they want bigger guys. And, and he's just like, well, I'm going to show him. And it was cool. Even for me as an outsider, I just kind of hear these steps he's making. And we weren't always talking about each step. I'd just be like, oh, cool. He's in the AHL now. And yeah. when he signed with the Ducks, I was like, oh, that's a big deal. 
But uh, it was cool that he just didn't even let that shit affect him. He was just like, well, I'll, I'll do it. I'll show you. Makes you work yeah. harder. Right? Yeah, and he did. He was small, and but he did it, and it's, it's really impressive. Well, one thing uh, I want to talk about is your dad, Shake Tiller. Let's give him a little air horn. Yes. Um, you have a great <laughs> impersonation of every time, you know, they would put him on the bench, and then, and then Dan would go in and play well. Can you kind of just paint a picture of what your dad's like watching a game when your brother's playing? Yeah, it was pretty much in the recliner, vodka soda deep. <laughs> And just not like almost like he might as well be on the bench with the team. <laughs> He's yelling at every other player and sort of like calling plays from the comfort of his own home. And but the funny thing is, even when my brother did something good or the coach, like he would always say, put the kid in, see what the kid can do. He would so badly just. It wouldn't even be his shift, but he's like, put the kid in. The kid buried that one. He would. And, like, give him the chance. And then he would, and my brother would make a great play or something, and my dad would say, see, that's what I said. I said, put the kid in and see what he could do, and they just don't listen to me. And it's just, he just, it was like he was never happy, <laughs> or he was, like, thrilled if he scored. But that was that's really cool to watch your parents, watch your kid, and go to the games. And when he was playing in those games, it was so fun. I mean, it was just another level of, like, He's in the NHL. He's on the ice. He's playing for the Ducks. Like, you just get goosebumps every time you see it on the screen. You're just like, can't believe he's he's doing this. So, my dad is uh, he's very passionate. Let's just say that. Does yeah. your dad do that when he watches uh, video parts? Come on, sex and front board. You gotta get that front board. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that's beautiful is we found out that your your dad refers to Dan as the kid, and then yeah. he, now we call Joe the kid, and I'm always come come on, put yeah. the kid. In. Let's see what the kid can do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he, he tries to give advice, but I mean, he also sat there and watched me at Buck Hill from nine in the morning till nine at night. He'd come and put his car up and like on the hill and watch me snowboard. And when it's time to go, he'd flash the brights and like he stuck it out as like, you were he, learning. Yeah. He's super supportive. Took me to all the early contests and kind of did give it that sort of uh, organized approach to make, which maybe helped me like win some of those contests. Cause it was like, if you're going to do this, you're going to fucking do it. And you're not going to like just slack. It was like, and I had to kind of prove to him, if I win some of these contests, this makes this career more like he'll actually, he'll actually kind of understand that this could be something, right? Yeah. So I think that was the biggest part was proving to myself and him. I didn't even want to go to these contests, but it was like a stepping stone. Like I knew I wanted to film, but I was like, if I win this contest and it's like an accolade he can look at and tell people, yo, Joe just won nationals. Now it looks like we're going to, you know, you'll support it a little bit more. Where if I just got dead last and I was smoking weed or something, you'd be like, this isn't going to be a career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that's really cool about uh, us is we've known each other for such a long time. Yeah. You know, not much past the time you're talking about. Uh, we went, Joe and I both went to Mount Hood. We were probably both 17. Yeah. Met, it, met in the summer camp. And then the following year, uh, he came out. And we filmed for EPI Films, really small video. Yeah. And we were in high school, and it was like Christmas break, and we were nocturnal. We were just lighting up yeah. rails. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically, we didn't even, we just went out at night and then slept during the day. Yeah. And got a bunch of clips. And we, it, I forgot about that, dude. We've been doing it for a yeah. minute. So. Yeah, I think we were 17. Another one of those things that wasn't even conscious for us, it was like Adam Malinsky called me after beating at Hood and was like, I'm going to make this movie. Do you want to film? I was like, yeah, sure. I think we I'd filmed for Bald Eagle before and some stuff, but I was like, oh, cool, a little bit like East Coast production thing. This will be sweet. Met Chris and Scott. Let's, it'll be cool. But then to like stay at your house for like two weeks and and like just just get nocturnal. We were like going out at eight at night, lighting up spots and sleeping all day. It was just cool that 
to feel like, like we look back and we're like, oh, that was pretty good work ethic for back then. You know, like it was just rad that we were kind of like that motivated back then. And it was so like unconscious. We were just like, yeah, we're just going to go film. And that was it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It also goes back. It kind of reminds me of that. I'm always beating a dead horse on this, this subject, but it's like, it's it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. And you and we we kind of found each other, and we were both obsessed. Yeah. And you know you got it. You got to go meet these people that have the similar interests and yeah. gravitate towards them. And for us, that's just what you did. You just you just film and you go hard. And that's we got tunnel vision. We got horse blinders on. That's all you think about. Yeah. And you got to get around those same people. Right? And it was an instant connection too. I think with us, we we got along. It wasn't like anything was forced. So it was just like, oh, go stay with Chris and film. And that kid was really fun and. It was just like if it's a if it's hard work if it's like hard to get past that it's not going to work you know so it was just cool that we found each other and linked up that way and we're like now it's still knowing each other and and supporting each other still is pretty cool because I remember like walking you like talking you into a trick back then and now we're still doing it that's pretty so cool you guys met up at Mount Hood yeah and then happened to link up that's pretty cool or made yourselves link up that because was it. you had a connection yeah I remember you drove out with Granger and Steven. and Stevens yep. and it was like I met them. And and Stevens and Granger and Granger were so good. I remember thinking like, how are these dudes not like way bigger, you know? And they were all in academy at the time. And I actually emailed JB and I was like, did you just gotta like do something with these? I, I was a nobody too, but I was just like, for what it's worth, these kids are super sick. That's awesome. And I just like was like that send, just left it at that, like hoping it would help them a little bit or something. And yeah, it was just cool. I never felt so much like these dudes are because they knew how to film and edit. And remember I made that little like edit from hood and you guys showed me with the beastie boys song and all you did was like take like five minutes and made it so cool. And I was like, Oh, sick. Like I <laughs> mine was looking so bad, like no audio. Just like, <laughs> yeah, we definitely had a little dis or an advantage I'll say, because yeah. we, we knew how to edit so we could make ourselves look better than we actually were. <laughs> yeah. Ramping everything. <laughs> totally. <laughs> oh man. But it's kind of a trip. You're, you're fear to take that 17 year old kid and think, Fuck, whatever, however many, hundred years later, yeah. you and I be sitting in my garage. And it's, yeah. it's, fun, it's just fun to th- look back on. It is. So. And it's a trip because, like, we're kind of on to doing different stuff, but it all follows the same line, the same vein of just, like, continuing to do what you're passionate about, which I think is awesome. Like, when you talk to me about this podcast, I'm just like, yeah, of course. And then you take that same effort and put it into something like this, the same way you put it into your snowboard career, and, like, look what happens. It's super successful, so... It's it's really cool. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I, I'd like to talk about one pivotal moment in your career from from uh, you know us being on the sidelines watching you. You know we were we were trying to do our thing. You know make it or whatever you want to call that. And you got that opportunity. You're riding for Nitro. You got it on Stepchild. Mm-hmm. You film for Child Support. And uh, in that video part, you did a back three tail press on a rail which was light years ahead of anything that had come out you were doing 50 50 back threes which nobody had really done anyway um do you want to talk about that process for us and what that was like yeah i think uh it was super uh, subconscious again like it was just like I, I what can, are you laughing about i can speak about the process on a 50 50 back oh. three. <laughs> <laughs> Couple maybe two three nights. I thought I was gonna get away with saying it all just came pretty easy, you know. Honestly, they paint. <laughs> yeah, that that process. Yeah, you, you put wanna, in work. If you want, that's all I gotta say is he right. put in work and yeah. he made it happen, and it's dope. I mean, yeah. that's how it goes. Thank you. I think I'll be the first to admit. I, I don't think I'm the most naturally talented snowboarder. I really don't. I think I have a lot of passion, and I think when I'm trying a trick, nothing else matters. 
So during those years, I saw it as like kind of a tryout. I was like, this is the first real global project. I just got on Stepchild and they asked me to go to Finland and like just the, the, that kind of shit, like not even thinking, like I'm just going to fly to Finland for 31 days. Not, no, not sure who's picking me up. Not sure like where we're going. I just show up and I'm like this, like, you know, 21 year old kid, just like, where are we going? What are we doing? You know? And then I think that was what it was. It was just, yeah, the process of just trying shit over and over. Didn't you show up and you didn't even know who's going to pick you up? And yeah. it was just this whole, you know, thrown into the mix. Yeah. And it was Ilari who's the filmer, but I'm in Finland. I've never been out of the country before. And I just like show up in Helsinki, Finland. I'm, I can't even call anyone like, Hey, I'm here. I just waited outside until somebody pulled up really with like a fucking <laughs> Subaru with a drop and ramp. Up. This must be them. Like, <laughs> like, like hop in and I'm just like, cool. And then we went to Fredu Servio's apartment who was like, kind of like seeing him as like a ride, like hero yeah, kind of he guy. Sick. I'm like in there. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And just so, I don't know, the, the truest form of just like, I'm just going through these motions, you know? Like I wasn't, I didn't have any end game of like what I was going to do. I just wanted to, I was going to try to do what I did back home and in Finland, you know? A 30 day trip too. That's some commitment, right? Yeah. There. And it was so, I was so jet lagged that I, uh, I would stay up all night and then into the next day and then sleep that night. I did that program for like 14 or 15 days. Really? Yeah. Like, I would watch all these movies. I had like a little mini disc, like DVD player, like just watching like <laughs> the movies and just like, then I'd get up at eight with everyone else, like thinking I was waking up and I was up all night. Then we'd go film all day and then usually film into the night and then I'd crash like that night. Extra hard. Yeah. Man. So it was wild. You told me a funny story earlier off uh, air where, you know, for us rail nerds, the back three tail press on that down bar was like just monumental. <laughs> You know, and didn't you call the, the editor producer and say something? Yeah, yeah. I, I remember talking to Sean Johnson. And Sean had been filming movies, so he made tons of, like, I thought he would maybe be a little bit more impressed with the trick. I just kind of was like, like, yeah, man, like, I, you know, I did some, I did this thing. And he's like, cool, man. Well, uh, let us know when you are heading home. And <laughs> he just, like, didn't even care. Didn't care. I thought I was going to get, like, a, like, I don't know, some sort of like... <laughs> Sounds like it was a pretty good trip for you guys. All uh, right. Sounds like it's pretty decent snow. Anyway, I got to run. <laughs> so, hey, Sean, I landed the back three. I don't uh, know if you... I don't know, did it go through? I don't know if you heard me. It was back three, you know. After trailers. making 10 movies or whatever he had yeah. made, he was just yeah, like, yeah, not a trick is a trick. Yeah, I think that's how he felt. <laughs> Bit of a green jacket, gold jacket scenario. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. All right, I'm going to pivot back to another subject that I find hilarious, and I know we got off your brother, but... Uh, <laughs> I remember I called you, uh, you know, fast forward, you, you know, this was a couple of years ago, your brother, I think it was around the time he was in the NHL and it was 4th of July and you went to a party at J, uh, JVR's house, correct? Yeah. And can uh, you, can, James Van Riemsdyk, big time pro hockey player. Okay. And uh, went over there for 4th of July and can you paint the picture of what an NHL uh, hockey 4th of July looks like? Yeah, I mean... You ca it's hard, hard to believe, uh, but I think he, my brother invited me over. Come on, it'll be fun. Like I'm picturing like, you know, a little, a little get together. And it's like, these guys are big money, big, like lots of shit. And the house was giant. You walk in and you just see shirts off, just every <laughs> hockey butts walking around everywhere, just like Jersey shorts on. But then he shows them like the gym room and then they all got to like bench out bench press each other. <laughs> But my favorite part was they were playing beer pong, and then before they played beer pong, they, they did the national anthem. My brother had, like, the hat over his chest. He's kind of bouncing, like, pregame style. <laughs> 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 it 
Were they chugging like uh, vodka pedialites? Yeah, vodka pedialites. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're super nice dudes. That guy was super fun. And it was like, it's just funny to be a snowboarder in that because you're you're just, it's such a different world. Such a different world. Yeah. They kind of got some good moves though. Yeah. Vodka pedialite. Vodka pedialite's a good move. That's a pro tip. That's preparing for your, your next day. Yeah. I've tried it for me. It didn't really. But you're still wicked hungover. Yeah. You chug a bunch of vodka. You're still banged up. It still hurts. Yeah. But um, they don't really stop till the eyes start to go in the back of the head. <laughs> then it's time to maybe call it a night. Well, uh, let's let's keep it moving here. And we're all over the place. We don't really like chronological here. We nope. just kind of t- go where it takes us. Yeah. But uh, one thing I never realized till recently, you are one of the few people that have legitimately turned down an energy drink sponsor. Red yeah. Bull, right? Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I probably look like an idiot now. Turn it down. <laughs> hey, uh, what an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> good. More for me and you. <laughs> good. Good. Yeah. I think it was at a time where it wasn't even like a conscious thing again. Like I wasn't like, I'm doing this to send a message. I think I was at a different part of my career. Um, you know, the sponsors I had, I just didn't feel like it lined up. And I think that... I didn't really want to promote something like that, whether it was very like, like obvious or not. I just, I was happy with what I had with 32 and, and stepchild and other sponsors. And they kind of also expressed like interest in maybe saying it, it wasn't the best idea. What year was but, this? Um, right after, maybe right after that good look movie, I think right around cheers and good look. And, it was cool though. They flew me to Venice to like talk to everyone and, and I was pretty excited about it, but it just, when something didn't feel right, I just, I just couldn't really do it. Was and it like a good money offer? It was pretty good money. Yeah. Uh, Started out really pretty good money. Anything we can talk about? I think it was the first year was like 25 grand a year. And you said no. Yeah. If the offer was slid across the table right now. <laughs> Where's that nearest pen? <laughs> would, you, <laughs> would you sign? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I honestly don't know if I still would. Um, I, I don't know. I think things have changed a lot in my career and where things are at. And like, I think if, if it lined up and maybe they're going to support a project or something mm-hmm. like that, it, it'd be different. They do support good projects. They do. Yeah. For sure. And I think, you know, people that, that do those deals are, are not stupid either. So yeah. I honestly think it has to just line up with what you you believe in and what you want to do. Like there's people who do it and own it and it's great. And they Especially drink if you have too. an expensive project too, and it's yeah. like, how else are you going to make? I this could happen? see you one of those those big Red Bull helmets at Trollhagen, <laughs> no goggles, just kind of big hood over it. <laughs> you can't tell, can you? Somebody's got to make. <laughs> dude, someone just needs to own that. And Tommy, make Tommy, it. can you? Is, is that, if I look this way, does it look like a helmet? Be honest. Someone needs to just own it and make baseball style helmets <laughs> that, that you actually sick. ride. In. Yeah. That would be tight. <laughs> just oversized. <laughs> oh, God. No, I think, and I, uh, you know, I, I appreciated the offer. I thought it was cool. And I, I don't think I have any regrets for not doing it. Um, but I just, it wasn't right for me at the time. Dude, that's in, that's cool. Yeah, I my theory, I, I've said it a bunch of times, like, people talk shit on energy drinks till they till the contract slid across the table. And That's it's like, 100% you, true, and, too. And, and, and like, I think that that is, tr- but you're really kind of uh, throwing a wrench in my uh, statement I've been <laughs> Same yeah, body. he's at someone who actually was slid the contact, <laughs> <laughs> slid it right back. Yeah, um, I'm sure they were pretty surprised too. I'm huh? like, well, no one does this. Yeah, they just yeah, and it was like again, it was just kind of keep it moving. I was like, eh, maybe it isn't right for me, and and then that was it. It's cool you identified with that though and made that decision, and otherwise you could have been conflicted, and it could have affected your 
for sure you're riding you and know? that's the thing about like not yeah not having really re- regrets like i could have looked down and maybe seen that sticker and it would have changed my integrity of what i thought about myself as a snowboarder and it you never know what that could lead to. Yeah, you I get could have maybe never head. started this brand because yeah. of that, and I could have maybe never got this other deal that came along. Like, I can't really live with like a thought of like, oh, like I blew it, or what would happen if I did. Yeah, it could have been good, it could have been bad, but it is what it is. I think you made the right call for you. I think so too. Let's run back to uh, child support. Yeah. And so that comes out, and it almost seemed like overnight you went from kind of I don't want to say like a relative nobody but you kind of an, an am to just a household name in the in the scene after that part uh do you want to talk about that that was really cool uh, i remember skating and sean johnson called me and he's like oh J- like joe with the opener and i thought he was kidding i was like hey, what like kind of skating at the skate park like hung up the phone like i think i think he just said i have first part as i remember being like kind of not believing it and then it was so different dvds were a thing like there was premieres like it was such a different thing back then I just remember being like, I, I worked so hard that year and like broke up with my girlfriend, just the whole like all in, you know, I'm like, I'm traveling so much. I'm all in. This is my first shot to kind of show who I am as a snowboarder and what I like to do. And it was, it felt like a cool expression of like, this is what I want to show people my snowboarding is. And it felt like it was finally on a stage that was like, maybe going to be seen. Right. So yeah, it wasn't as much like about like overnight success. It was kind of like, a goal of mine. All right, cool. I filmed like a big part in a big video and kind of did it the way I wanted to do it. And yeah, I was really happy when it came out and it, it was cool to get that reception for sure. I was still am though too. So it wasn't like I turned pro or anything. It was just that part came out and I remember thinking like, cool, like on the, like, like a next video part, like it was, it was pretty, but it was a really fun time. Yeah. And then shortly after that, you kind of got taken under the wing of J.P. Walker and Simone Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. And cruised around with those guys. And yeah. Did, did you learn a lot from osmosis from those guys as far as, like, yeah. how to be a pro? Absolutely. Well, before that, it, not even before that, at that same time, it was we were going on trips, and it was, like, Jeremy Jones, Seth Hewitt, J.P. Walker, Simone Chamberlain. Yeah, crewed up. Just talk about, like, being in that position with as a kid. Like, J.P., in technically, that was in my stocking when I was a kid. It's like detective detective oh let's go yeah yeah shout out detective so i'm now i'm strapping in next to this guy and it's like just surreal kind of you know but beyond like that i did learn so much about how to be a pro and how to carry yourself how to build shit how to take care of your body like all these things and i was pretty like anti at first but learning that over time has helped me a ton just seeing how those guys operate because they were treating it like a job and it was they were making good money like I was starting to make pretty good. It was like time to take this shit serious. And it felt kind of cool too. Like in the winter, this is what we're doing, you know? So they took me under the wing and, and really showed me a lot for sure. Well, that's beautiful. Um, while we're on the subject of video parts, I think it might be time to uh, pivot into a little section of the show called Name That Video Part. Uh-oh. <laughs> Name That Video Part is presented by The Dew Tour, one of the best events in snowboarding. And most importantly, they support us. You should support them. Without them, this podcast probably wouldn't be possible. So shout out to The Dew Tour, and let's get into Name That Video Part. Now, Joe, what's your confidence level? Zero through ten. Seven. 
Seven. Ooh, that's he's, high, dude. Yeah, people are usually like <laughs> way down low. I like the, I mean, I like, I like the, the confidence, authority, and Normally, confidence. as long as it's from my era, I think I'm gonna be all right. He gave me a couple uh, breadcrumbs, you could say. Yeah, <clears throat> but um, seven. I seven. like normally his it's the negatives. Yeah, normally it's really? negatives you, or one. You think we'll ever twos, get anybody threes. in the t- like at ten? Like I got it. Scotty Stevens, maybe. Or just okay. someone. Yeah, Scott knows a lot. He would probably be a ten. Well, but he's he wouldn't come in. He wouldn't and say admit 10, it though. Yeah, he wouldn't say ten. And I might be shooting myself in the foot with a seven, but I would have liked. If you said 11. 11. What's your confidence? I'm extremely confident. 17. (laughs) I'm extremely confident. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's do this. Uh, Justin Hebel, love hate. Movies correct. Oh, shit. Wait, whoa, whoa, wait. You want it again? (laughs) Hold on, play it again. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Oh, oh, fuck. Love hate Mikey LeBlanc. That's correct. Unfortunately, <laughs> he didn't get it right the first we time. We can cut it, right? No, we can't cut it. <laughs> what we have here, what do we have for him, buds? God, I got so excited. Uh, we should take a couple items out, maybe. Yeah, let's he didn't, You know? Yeah. All right. He didn't That's get it. That's fair. Oh, we're going to remove Just give me the items. cooler. Let's, give me the damn cooler. <laughs> <laughs> let's take something out of there. I can see those Midwestern. Oh, you got your bomb hole cooler. Oh, nah, let's give it. Give bag. it all to him. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bomb hole mug in here. We got stickers. I like the mug. We got Stony Buds Air Force. I want that. Woo! And we have a crew neck bomb hole. Thank you very much. Uh, you got the cool. movie right. This is really cool. Yeah. Go pack go. Yeah, go pack go. You can Thank take you. that uh, fishing in the summer with you. And I was trying to think of what I could do with this. Put it in the truck, go fishing. It'll be at the bottom of a handrail filled with just <laughs> ice cold beers. Perfect. Be that. Okay, let's go to part two of Name That Video Part for the viewers listeners. If you know what video part this is, uh, comment on the picture of Joe's Instagram post on the bomb hole uh, when his airs, and you get a chance to win a sticker pack. Now, I'm going to give you a little breadcrumb, a little bit of a hint. The Midwesterners, this is a classic. Okay, here we go. All right, that's all you get. That's all they get. I know what song that is. I know the part. I might know the part. Joe, Joe actually suggested that I part. Suggested. Can I say if, see if I know it? Yeah. Is it- yes, it is. <laughs> hey, you know, is it, how the fuck is he? Yes. Is? Dude, Joe, That's really one. good. Let it, you know what, buds? You know the movie? The, I want a prize pack. Do you know the movie? You know what you get, buds? You get the new air horn. We got a new oh, air horn. horn. New air This is a, This is a super air horn from DJ Maddie Mo. Here we go. Wow. <laughs> 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 that air horn gets me hyped. That one's crazy. That one's a, it's pretty subtle. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> dude, Bud's got one. That's crazy. Sorry, viewers and listeners. Has he never got it's one? Mine. No, he's never got one. I can't believe you got that. That's a deep cut too. I would think like nobody would get that because it's underground. Right? This is not the artist. No, but like, that's like not in. The, it was in like this movie, mm-hmm. which is I hang yeah. with. Uh, you know, you go on those trips. They you sit and watch those movies that's, with those guys. That's true. That's true, and I'm a big uh, fan. As am I. <laughs> that makes three of us. That makes that makes three of us. All right, let's talk about uh, let's go non chronological because this is a good jump off point. Yeah, sure. Um, so you and I have spent a lot of time together over the years, and uh, we both ride for Thirty Two. We both filmed for Thirty Two. Um, their one of their big movies they made called Twenty Thirty Two. Now after. We were done filming for that. They did a giant premiere tour all around the world. Yeah. And we were on a 31-day premiere tour where you basically go to a shop every single night, and then you wake up in the morning, you go to a new city, 
and there's drinking and there's beers and I was drinking a lot at the time. Yeah. You were drinking a lot at the time and yeah. it sounds like this amazing life. You know, you fly over to Europe, you do the same thing. But you and I had a it was a great experience, but it was a it was a treacherous trying experience. Do you want to just kind of dive into that? Yeah. I mean, I I think we both when when Cook was like you're going to go to Europe and it's just going to be you and Grundy's. And I was like, oh, cool. How long? He's like, 31 well, days. Well, there's just the two of you? It was just yeah, me and Chris. We, we were on, like, we, we met up with the Euro team in Europe, but for the first Midwest half of the yeah, life, yeah. it was just me and Joe. Wow. So we, so we started out in Minneapolis and, like, my whole family came and <laughs> Chris and my brother were doing push ups shirtless in the bar. Yeah, we were, we were having a good time. <laughs> That's how it started off. Like, it was in Minneapolis, like, the first night and we got, like, turned up that night. And then we went to Milwaukee, I think, then Chicago, and then Europe. But yeah, I think what you're saying, like we thought it was going to be super glamorous and fun, but it's like after seven, eight days of that in a row, it starts to wear on your body and you realize that this isn't like good for you. By the end of the trip, me and Chris both were having like panic attacks and like I had this fluttering in my chest for like the last three nights that I was, we were both like, we we want to go to the doctor. Dude, I had to go to the doctor after one of those, the Sims tour. Dude. They, whoever books those things does not think about the human. There was no the human body. Yet. The human is not come into the one every night is just not doable. There was no break. It yeah. was like we be in the car all day, and then and then and then we were telling Russ too. It's like you got to go and be on that night. So it's like you know the kids that are there want to see Chris. He's yeah. Otherwise, be, you might he's got to be ball till you fall on the stage. Yeah. He's got, and the only way to get there is drinking. He's got puke all over his jacket. Come on. <laughs> Night 24. Yeah. Wheelchairs like, are brought out dude, with you guys in them. Bro, this shit got dark. Yeah. It did get dark. Yeah. And there was one point we, we were in Europe somewhere, and I was having like a panic attack, you yeah. know, after drinking for – because the thing is, you know, this, oh, your life's so hard. Yeah, like, granted, sure, in hindsight, if I go back and I was like taking care of myself. Yeah, it would have been a lot. But like we were young and fun. just – hammering beers and when you're hungover a great way to cure cure a hangover is to hammer more beers yeah so that was our cycle so by like day eight i would if i didn't drink i would be shaking because i drank you know drink 30 beers like every every day or whatever it is and you start early too because you don't have a choice it's i remember being in finland and for one of those or um with tony kirkula and i i was like there was all this free beer in the back and i was having like this weird chest flutter it was just i learned later it's just anxiety yeah, like that's you are all it was a, a early stages of a panic 100%. attack 100% and i had this anxiety and then after like 3 4 5 beers the anxiety goes away and i'm like oh that was weird <laughs> and then i'm on stage like ah. <laughs> and then wake up and that dang anxiety's back <laughs> Four more beers. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they great. I, he wasn't doing drugs. Then you take me. Yeah. I, I was sprinkling in like drugs. And, yes, and you he were. got to see my my <laughs> yeah. dark side. Yeah, I don't do I don't do drugs. But I remember being in Milwaukee. This is like day two, day three, and we go to get dinner with um, Ryan Bachman, who's a thirty two guy. We just went to get dinner, like get in late, seven o'clock, have dinner, have one beer. Chris is pacing. The, Chris is pacing the restaurant trying to find cocaine. I remember thinking in my head like that is not a good, especially like, for day two. <laughs> It was. He got in some, a sketchy car and just drove off. Yeah. He left his phone. We're like, where'd he go? And it took like two hours and he comes back and he's got what he wanted to get. But we were just like, I was like, holy shit. Like, I felt really. Were you the only one partaking? At yeah. that time, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, now it, it, was, it just Chris. wasn't even a party night. It was yeah. like the start. We're like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. And it, so it I led to Chris quitting, you know? Yeah, now I'm sober. For and, sure. And, but yeah, you, you got to kind of. 
I, I had a drug problem. You have to sure. identify and, and, if, and I had yeah. a drinking problem. And but you know, while we were there, dude. I mean, I don't want to, like, we went to a Green Bay Packers game. Yeah. Like, oh, there, and, like, there was those guys, like, <laughs> goal, pack, goal. <laughs> like, we were just shit-faced. Like, there was, I don't want to make it sound like, yeah, I, I had a drug problem. I was doing a lot of drugs. Luckily, like, you know, I found my rock bottom. And if anybody's struggling. On that trip? That, that led to a lot of other things. Because a result of that trip, you know, my significant other at the time, I mean, it got things got out of control. I'm not going to get into details. I ended up leaving me and all, all these things, right? So, so the result of my actions, I, I was hurting people around me and, and lots of other things like that. So, so we don't need to get on that subject, but you know, if you're having a hard time struggling with it, you can find me on the gram. I'm always happy to talk about sobriety and been there, but uh, like at the yeah, end of the, at the, end of the day, I, we did have fun too, like, like getting did, shit faced yeah. at the Green Bay game, but go ahead with all with that your, shit was fun. And I went to what you're saying is like, and I will, I don't, I've told you this before personally, but I'm really impressed with you, yourself and how much you've done a life change. Or to use your word, pivot. <laughs> life, life pivot. But you, I mean, you did. Like, you just talk about that trip we were on and how his mindset was then. And then when the rock bottom thing happened, how much you changed and like changed everything around you in a big way is not something a lot of people can do. And I don't think a lot of people try to blame outside things and you blamed yourself and you took accountability. And I just really, really respect that. Thank you. Now you're what, four and a half years? Yeah, four, uh, four years in October. So it'll be, yeah, just a little over four. Yeah. It's, so it's really impressive. Definitely impressive. No, I, I, I got a drug problem. I can't find any drugs. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Can we get the aggressive air horn one more time? Yeah. I don't know if that one, I don't know if that calls, that one. If that one calls for it. But, you know, yeah, it is. It's an interesting one. Like, you know, you hear, not to, but you, oh, you, this life, you get to be flown around. And that's what I want. And at the end of the day, like, when you actually, Get doing that when it happens, it's not necessarily the life it's cracked up to be in some way. I remember being on that trip and just being like, I want to go film. Like, I, I want to go and do what we do more than like talk about the video part. Mm -hmm. I remember just being like, ah, I don't want to even talk about this. I want to go get, get some more. Who organizes shit. these tours where you don't have any breaks? You know, this was just like a, a they want to save a dollar and it's like, it give, them, give the guys a day off here and there. At the same time, like, thank you for bringing us to Europe, you know? Yeah. But it was it like, it should be every we, other night. Yeah, you know? we got to Barcelona. It was like Dream City, and I you just can't was even like, enjoy it. Yeah, we, me and Chris were like, we're gonna drink water in the hotel room. Like, we're just <laughs> trying to like get out of this panic attack. But so it was wild. maybe just a couple days too long, but other other than that, it was it was incredible, and we got to like know each other really well. You travel with someone that long, and fuck, it, it made us really good friends. How know? come they didn't throw the rest of the team in there? You guys were the everyone only did ones different down. legs, like uh, like J Steven some people did color. Yeah, China with oh. JP. Some people did like Dude, you know East Coast. You and, guys yeah. going thirty days in China would be a rough one. Yeah. So uh, we're talking about 32. We're talking about Scott Stevens. Uh, I happen to have a guest question from Scott Stevens. Now, the guest question yes. is presented by Solomon Snowboards. Uh, one thing I want to talk about with Solomon is their district bindings. Now, a couple of public riders, Joe's company, uh, Craiger, Ben Billado, they ride the district bindings, and they seem to really like them. I personally really like them. They have a soft heel cup that kind of molds to your boot. But uh, if you're looking for some bindings... The Solomon districts are great. They support us. You should support them. Now let's get into the guest question from Scotty Stevens. Here we go. <clears throat> All right, Joe. <laughs> I uh, have a strange question because this one's kind of geared towards me, but I think you guys will have fun with this. So um, remember that water shoot we went on and um, the hair and makeup chick that was doing um, um, my hair and makeup. This is, sounds crazy, but this oh, actually you happened. To, you want to bring um, up again. Can you elaborate to... 
Chris and Eastone about um, like how much I got my foot caught in my mouth properly because this will be funny to hear from your experience because I know um, it was a uh, saying the word cringy is cringy but it was a cringy it was it was pretty pretty bad on my part but I wish I was there to defend myself so kind of throwing myself how much more rambling <laughs> you guys are gonna have fun with this oh. That's is he going to start talking again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, one more thing, I just remembered. Was. It goes silent for five minutes. He's still talking. Gosh, that is so classic, Scott. And not only does he put his foot in his mouth once, twice, now three times by bringing it up about five years later, he wants me to talk about this. I guess so. Yeah, Scott, I remember that. Um, the way I so we were on a shoot for Fred Water, and we were in L.A. And there's a hair and makeup lady for the shoot, which is kind of funny because it's like we're just snowboarders and she's kind of doing makeup and hair. And I got my stuff done by her and it was kind of no big deal. She, um, the lady had stomach surgery. So she was kind of like feeling her stomach a bit and just kind of like, and it was kind of like, she was like, like kind of doing that a bunch. And I noticed it and I'm not like Scott, so I didn't say anything. But Scott gets in there and instantly (laughs) he goes, so when are you due? <laughs> oh, no. And she goes, what do you mean? He's like, you're pregnant. And she's like, I'm not pregnant. I just had stomach surgery. And he's like, so, okay, like that. <laughs> so instead of that and just being an awkward exchange between the two of them, now for some reason I'm next to him with her again. And he goes, Joe, you're not going to believe what I said to her. And I'm like, and she's I'm like, and she's right there. And he's he, like, did, he didn't know she was right there. Right? He did. Oh, he did. He okay. knew she. He was just so like, yeah. And he and he, <laughs> and he goes, he's like, I asked her if she was pregnant, and I, I'm just like, okay, like, <laughs> what do you want me to say to this? And and she was just like, there, like, why are you bring this up again? It was just such an awkward thing, but it's so Scott. And it reminds me of the time. I don't think anyone knows this one, but this is another foot and mouth one. Sorry, Steve's gonna throw you under the bus. We have a meeting with Cook about 2032. You heard this one? No. You go to Mammoth. Cook pulls like me, Stevens, a couple other guys aside. Just so you guys know, we're going to do this team movie. Some guys aren't going to be in it, so let's just keep it low-key, but we wanted to tell you guys there's going to be a team movie. Keep it between us because there are going to be people here that may not be a part of it. Got it. Great. Thanks, Cook. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. John Cooley walks into the room, and he goes, what's up, guys? Scott goes, I'll tell you what, I'm just fired up about this team movie we're going to make. <laughs> He just instantly, and, and it's almost like he says it, and he's like, oh, why did I say that? Like, he's just like, John's here. John, don't say it. Don't say it. It's a movie. So that's just so Scott. It really is. His, he's the best. I love Scott to death. Oh, my good Lord. That's funny. But we on that Europe trip, and he's doing this interview, and Chris is like, he's about to give this kid money out of his wallet. He's just like, <laughs> he's just so, what do you, what do you need from me? <laughs> I'll tell you the prime example of Scott being like uh, such a yes man. We've been, uh, we, we'd be signature pros at Hike Escade, and they do like a game of skate with all the campers, right? And we'd run out of product, right? And Scott would eventually just start giving them money out of his wallet. <laughs> really? Just t- text me after this if that's not enough, but I can. I can, do I'll I'll can, you more. I can run to the ATM if that. If, I, that was a great kickflip. Do you need another twenty? Oh Scott is so incredible. What a great hey, while, guy! While we're on the subject, you two, I wasn't there. Can we talk about a Stony Bud story from yeah. Oslo what? trip? Yeah, what? please, let's me? do it. <laughs> me I have stories. I mean, I don't even know where to start, but just wa- waking up to you sleepwalking and making <laughs> making coffee that was like coming out of the coffee maker. You're just like. <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> 
Wasn't I trying was like, to brew a 40 you ounce trying latte to brew, or something? Yeah. <laughs> you had like the filter in the coffee, and you're just like... And it was all the coffee was like going, dumping over, and then you grabbed like a vase of water. And, just, <laughs> and I think I was like, Keystone, like, what are you doing? And you're just like... <laughs> yelling about something, and we were, I was like, what is going on? Dude, you were jet lagged or something, but you were, and then JP was like, Stone's up to no good, dude. Like, <laughs> I do this sometimes. My, yeah. My chick has uh, crazy videos and, <laughs> and like audio of me talking in my sleep, walking around in my sleep. It's incredible. It's like stepbrothers where there's stuff in like shit that. in the oven. Yeah. No one wanted to wake you up, but I was just like, I actually do that. Yeah. It was I, crazy. I got another good Stony Buds one from Quebec, actually. He did a sleepwalk, uh, well, I believe you woke up in the middle of the night and chugged a bunch of milk and <laughs> ate some berries because there was like a gallon of milk and some berries on the counter. And then you were all like sick from, I mean, I think you're not supposed to drink that much milk as a person. And then in the morning you woke up and what what happened in the morning? Didn't you like... I fell down the stairs. <laughs> I got you my, had to throw up. You had to throw up. Right? I had lo- my long underwear got stuck <laughs> under my heel on these wooden stairs. <laughs> Dude. And, I, <laughs> I, and I remember you, there was one point where you had to puke or something, and you're like, bathroom, bathroom, I need a bathroom. Everyone was in the bathroom. And then Worm's upstairs, he goes, everybody needs the bathroom, bud. And you're like on the ver- verge of puking. Holy I shit. had to fall down the stairs, puke in a bucket. Oh, my hey, who God. Got you I, was that, out I got you that day. bucket, though. I got, your, yeah. I got your back on that. Long underwear wedged under the heel. <laughs> <laughs> my, my chick is so used to me talking to my sleep, it's just like, she doesn't even like it's not a thing anymore. She's just used to it. You need sleep tape. She's learned <laughs> Oh my god. Dude, she learned that you just the best thing is not to engage. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah. That's cuz then I'll just go back to sleep, but if if I get engaged with I start it goes it escalates. Yeah, I don't think we engaged with you, but I was like I was like I get tripped out by that stuff cuz it's, it's like weird. a weird like freaky thing and I remember just being like, "Oh, like it's weird. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to try what this guy's on. He's on He's on a very progressive... Uh, he basically... Let me, let me just tell you what he does, actually. He's... This is fucking ludicrous. You wake up in the morning, and he's, you're like, you're like, Joe, what's up? He's like... Rrr. I'm like, what? He's got his mouth taped shut. He tapes his mouth shut to go to sleep. Yep. Why? Me and my brother both do it. Uh, my brother saw a trainer of his that told him to do it, and I tried it, and I really... I liked how, much, how good of sleep I got. It's... There's a bunch of science behind it. You can go to consciousbreathing.com. I don't, so I'm not sponsored Consciousbreathing.com, is that real? It's real. Okay. And it's just like your cells rebuild. There's all these things. They talk about if you're breathing through your mouth for a long time. I mean, people do breathing exercises, right? Like through your nose for 20 yeah. minutes. Think about nine hours. You just did it for what, nine hours. What are you talking like? Uh, yeah. It's duct sleep. tape. It's basically, basically duct tape. It's sleep tape. You just go like this and then you just breathe through your nose. There's times during the day where I wish he had the duct tape on his mouth uh, all day. Dude, my wife's going to want to get me up in some of That's that so thing. I can't talk. Yeah. She'll just be... <laughs> She'll end up tying me down yeah. so I can't get out of the bed and some sleep tape. We're yeah. good to go. No, it's crazy. I mean, people can look it up. It's it's definitely... We'll, a, we'll put it in the show notes. It's progressive, but... I got a photo of them, too. I'll, I'll drop it. It's pretty one. interesting. Yeah. It's pretty funny, but... Did you walk out not knowing about it, and this guy's just mouth is taped? I think we talked you. about it before, and I said something about it. So no one would think I it tried was to, yeah, something I tried weird to, going uh, on. I tried He's to, like, you're all trying to look at the yeah. photo. So we're going to get into a new <laughs> section of the show. Are we going resi? We're going, this is what we're going to call resi talk. Okay, um, for yes. The, for those of you who are not familiar with a reservoir tip beanie, <laughs> a.k.a. a resi beanie, Buds and I, we love a love. good resi. If you're if you're listening, the gnome to the left of Buds has a gigantic resi. 
Um, so, you know, I think it's come comes from a reservoir tip of a condom, how there's a little excess. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we, you know, we're fascinated with resis. And I, I would say this is almost, um, for the listeners, we're looking at a picture of, of Joe, and it's like a <laughs> Hall of Fame caliber <laughs> resi tip. And that's that's real, huh? Yeah, that's, that's not all sky high. And, I'm, and for the record, I'm not proud of that. So <laughs> yeah, you, you know, don't like resi He's got the anti-resi beanie. I'm not going. proud of that one. But Chris, for a while, Chris would just send me that every four months. I'd, just, <laughs> I'd get a text of that, and I'm just like, okay, great. Yeah. I, I mean, you could have folded it, but you did. You know what? It is folded. Oh, that's, that's a scary fold. part. Dude, that's yeah. a great hat right yeah. there. <laughs> that because if you unfolded just, that, it would. You be really like, just need that just to ruin a clip <laughs> for me. I'm just like God. Well, part of me would, almost wants to just grab a tape measure and see what we can get. Like <laughs> so what kind tall. of what kind of height we're looking at? <laughs> so tall, it looks crazy. So, but for a while, you were into resi tips, huh? I was never super into them. It no. just happened. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're just riding and the thing just starts going up. Some beanies, yeah, they start to stretch, elongate. Yeah. I think that's one of those taller ones that you roll and then the roll kind of it just goes up. Yeah. You're you have a serious anti resi tip blocker going on right now. Yeah, this isn't going yeah, up. Yeah, that's not this gonna isn't go going up. anywhere. I've noticed like uh let's talk about the Vans video. They have a strong anti-resi uh, stance in yeah, that video. If, if you have a reservoir tip, you're not going to get a part in that video. You're not getting on No matter how, how good your riding is. Yeah. Yeah, I heard Cole's last trick. He had a re- Tanner cut it and made him refilm it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he had a resi tip. Yeah, It's pretty hardcore, man. They sit you down day one, and they're like, we catch you with a resi tip. Yeah. It's actually in the contract. That's strike one, son. You, you, you want strikes, well, you're out of here. The fold where it's well above the ears. Joe's actually wearing kind of one of those yeah. anti-resi to combat the resi. We went out to dinner with him once in uh, Helsinki, <laughs> man. And- it just reminds me of like, Austin Granger landing headwear hat. <laughs> <laughs> what a big... <laughs> he had a great... <laughs> Chris, Chris like, he had, uh, Austin Granger had this land. He was coming a landing head where they only made like giant resi tips, and he was he was single, and he was like seeing Chris is like, how are girls even talking to him with this hat on? That's what Chris He's wearing like a lime green resi tip. I remember and, that hat, and, and, and Chris is like, how are girls even talking to him with this hat on? I can't even look at him. It was insane. I remember that hat. That was a memorable <laughs> yeah. hat. Landing Honestly, headwear. I almost want to track a couple of those down and grab. Yeah, yeah, dust those up. Um, Dude, uh, speaking of that era, the one thing that was amazing, too, is at the time, you know, we were hanging out together. I think you kind of lived with Austin and myself oh, yeah. for a few months in the winter. And uh, you rode for Planet Earth. Yeah. And you would just, you basically threw all your shit in a closet. <laughs> yeah. and, and then our, our one buddy, Roger, actually, he just took a bunch of Planet Planet Earth gear. Yeah. And, yeah. and he was basically, he was essentially like on the team. Yeah, uh, he was on the team. <laughs> I think I left and left a bunch of stuff, and I just saw him with like all my jacket and pants and like stickers on his board and stuff. I was like, okay. So I got a uh, Patreon question oh. kind of around this. Oh, cool. This topic is this so they know it's me and then they ask or no? Yeah, that, they know they know that you're the guest. Oh, cool. Yeah, sweet. So these this question is tailored to you. Oh, cool. Tailored. This one's actually from Jason Newman. You know who that is? Uh, yeah, yeah. That's Honda. That's Honda. Give him a super <laughs> air horn. Yeah, he gets one. Whoa. Yeah. Damn. That's for Honda. Wow. I'm a little nervous about what Honda's got. It's so. kind of a lot of questions filtered into one. I don't know if I was going to just ask you one of them. I'll just read it all. Yeah. So, yeah, what was the weirdest thing Joe witnessed when he lived with Austin Granger a million years ago in Utah? Does he even remember that time? Then he, he goes on to kind of ask some more questions okay. here. What about the main difference between filming for FODT and MacDog? Mm-hmm. Or anything about filming It Ain't Easy? Mm-hmm. If that squad was put together now, it would be all star. But in that time, it was fresh and new. Be cool to hear Joe uh, talk a bit about this stuff. 
by the way, this is Hondo. He said, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. There's a lot of questions. I guess just tackle. Yeah, I guess the first one, the weirdest thing we saw is remember Granger got like Red Bull flow? So he had like uh, just cases of Red Bull. And that's what we would drink like as water, which was funny that I turned that down. Yeah, you turned later. the deal down and he used to just pound it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was, it scarred me. But he would do that and then we made pizza rolls. He had a, he had a, Deep, what is that? Deep fryer. Deep fryer. We deep the fryer hot everything. oil, and we would just make. Pe- I thought I was eating healthy. I'm like, oh, nice. Like, I'm making my own dinner. I'm self sufficient. It was just pizza rolls. It but it was crazy. a deep fryer. Yeah. <laughs> so everything we and I was like, oh, you could put Oreos in here. Like, <laughs> so we would just like lived like scumbags. That was probably the weirdest thing I saw there. It was a tiny little place. Mm-hmm. You Granger, Roger Bodie too. Oh shit! It's like know, a one bedroom place, and I yeah, had like a small. little. I slept on the floor, like it was just we just go. I didn't know you all lived together. That's yeah. awesome. Air mattresses deflated. Just, yeah, you know deflated. you wake up on the porcelain yeah. floor. And we went to that. We went to Rail Gardens. Remember that? We did the Rail Gardens, and we just go film every day. Um, and what was the question about it, filming? It ain't easy. That would be fun to talk about the roster. It stuff. ain't easy. Well, we were in firefight or firefight. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I filmed for any. That was a year after. That was when you did Tech Nine. Yeah, but it main difference between FODTs. That was when we first met Stone. With Cole and how did I even get Tonino sponsored me in the movie? Yeah, I was, I was trying to think about that. How I did you get for Nitro. I was on Nitro and I and I filmed for Bald Eagle Productions and then I think I had won nationals and then it was like kind of I was didn't you have long hair maybe Yeah, yeah. Well, I was starting to get long. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, I then Tonino was like we we want to put you in a movie and I was like oh cool and I think I was into that shit at the time like baggies. Yeah, I swear you jerseys. had like a jersey. Oh. Dude, I was so influenced by... I loved Aaron Bittner, Benny. Yeah. Like, all that shit. Like, that was my my everything. So Your I got young asked, influence. They were like, what do you want to film for? I was like, I mean, Tech 9 would be sick, you know? <laughs> so I filmed for Tech 9, and you guys came to Minnesota. We kind of, like, showed... Like, we, we filmed around, and then I came to Salt Lake. I only did, like, a couple trips with you guys. Yeah. But ended up with, like, a little half part in the movie. And everyone still asked me if I rode for Tech 9. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I was riding for Union then. Yeah. And, and Nitro. But I wanted to ride for Tech Nine because <laughs> Cole. I remember Cole like went to Foot Locker and bought tall tees. I was like, "Give me a medium tall tee, <laughs> <laughs> medium tall." Yeah, tea, that's tight. and I was just like, the same with everything. I just was so influenced, and I just kind of went all in. Just I was excited. like, "This is so sick!" Yeah, and and you guys were from out of town, so it was a cool thing. And I think the difference between that and Mac Dog was maybe just a little bit more like I remember I was kind of in your squad but not as much and then with those guys I was kind of a part of a crew full part of the crew yeah but <clears throat> I mean it was sick meeting you and shooting is that when you started stuff. when you went on to shoot with Mac Dog is that when you kind of met JP and um yeah that was <clears throat> the cheers was that first one and JP had gotten on stepchild right at that same time yeah so that's when all that stuff kind of happened but that was and it was people it was like people. Pierre and those guys yeah so it wasn't as much Mac Dog it was like Mac Dog's under his Umbrella, but yep. it was people in those guys. That yeah. was a good movie too, though. That was sweet. That was really cool. Uh, going back to what you said earlier, I just got to kind of chime in on the Granger story because there's one in particular <laughs> that just jumped out at me. That yeah. we used to fuck with Granger because he rode for uh, Drop Gloves, I believe. <laughs> and we would he would get a box, and what we would do is he would get a box from Drop. We would open it up, take all the new Drop Gloves out. And then put old used Celtic gloves in the packaging, <laughs> tape it back up, and then film him as he opened it, and just watch utter confusion, just being like, "What is going on here?" Oh, that's so good. You guys Open, really did yeah, that. Dude, we'd watch him open it up, and he'd just be like, "Dude, what the fuck? They sent me used Celtic gloves." Granger was nothing but not, if not loyal, though. If he got a new sponsor, 
landing <laughs> drop. That was he was flying. Gordini, the Gordini goggles. Gordini goggles. Jeez, he had a good good roster. Good for a roster. Oh, so sick. You know that uh, I would say that Frylater you were talking about yeah. the frying machine is yeah. kind of what spawned his cooking career. It could be. Yeah, yeah, straight up. I remember be. he brought that thing over to my house once See? and made chicken wings. Yeah, dude. It was the legit. start, and now he's just a pro chef for Traeger. Yeah, it's awesome. It's I haven't awesome. seen him for a while either. Miss that dude. I saw him at Brighton. He's up there cooking yeah, the other Scott. day. Yeah. yeah, doing this. I know. Hey, I got another Patreon question Let's for you it. while we're yeah while we're in the Patreon questions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is from Maverick Killed Goose. Is there? <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> there, there. Great, great handle. Great handle. Uh, he says, "Hey, bombhole. I want to ask Joe about filming with JP." For this video sucks, and if he really had to put his jacket on for him. <laughs> Sick. Uh, I mean, yeah, that was like, it was obviously theatrics a little bit, but he was the Don back then, and I was just, I think that was my, I hadn't turned pro, I hadn't turned pro yet. Yeah, so it was like, that was the running joke. Was it to your pro, son? Like, jack it up, dude. Like, <laughs> 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 so uncanny in person. <laughs> yeah, that so that's what, pretty much every spot. He's like, Don's tired. <laughs> Where's my coffee, dude? <laughs> so I think it was just kind of a running joke. It's obvious you spent a lot of time with him. You sound did, yeah. just like him. But I fed into it too. I loved that. Yeah. I loved the dynamic. Like I, I was very like, respect your elders. And he paved the way. I, I wasn't, you know, it was funny to put the jacket on him and shit like that. But on a more serious note, he, like I said, he shot, he showed me so much and taught me so much. Yeah, so it's kind of worth it, right? Totally, yeah. So I think like all that stuff was funny, but it was still like it came from a place of like I'll put your fucking jacket Respect. on, like yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So I think that was a uh, those were cool times. For he sure. is the Don, and he's offering you knowledge. So I mean, yeah, why not make the most of it? Yeah, and just if that's the first thing you see when you start snowboarding, like. You know, I don't, and we were watching some of those older documentaries and there's all this stuff before. I'm like, love that, respect that. But it started right here for me. For you, yeah. So I'm like, this is the dude. And mm-hmm. like other people like before maybe like see it differently, but I'm like that to me, this is what it is. You and know? he's picky about who he likes to hang with too. He, so. Yeah, I got lucky with yeah. that one. Yeah. And he even for the way like I was dressing. let dre- anyone go in that. Dude, and for the way I was dressing back then, I thought, <laughs> I thought I'd be shunned. Like <laughs> he was so all big baggy gear and that's when I was wearing jeans and stuff like that. And I think he's just like, what are those, dude? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you got a kick out of it, too, and he, he, he was funny about it. Well, going back to, like, Joe and I, both of our first videos, technical difficulties. So it's the it's the guy for us. But then also traveling the world, we're both on 32. Yeah. We both, you know, fast forward, you watch Tech Diff, fast forward 10 years later or whatever it is, you know, we're traveling the world with the yeah. guy that is the guy. And, and you would do things like, I remember we went to a New Zealand tour, and I was like, JP, play me in pool. Come on, I'm like drinking. Mm-hmm. I'm being a fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. Come on, JP, play me in pool. Dude, come on, don't be a bitch. Play me in pool. Whatever I'm saying to him. He's like, fine, dude, I'll play. Or whatever. <laughs> you know, he, he picks up the pool stick, breaks, clears the entire table. I don't even get to go once. <laughs> really? And dude, I've never seen anybody do this in my life. And then he wouldn't play the rest. Like he played once, ruined me. <laughs> and then that and was then that. Was it. And so he would do yeah. shit like that where you're like, damn, dude, this dude's really That's got why it like he's that. the dawn. Goes out on top. Yeah. Yeah. Fun shit. Well, everybody knows you from your video parts and all this crazy shit you've done. What are you on, like 12, something like that? Yeah, something like that. But um, during the midst of all this stuff, you had a really traumatic brain injury. And I feel like it's been kind of like not talked about. And I've been there on the phone with you through a lot of this stuff and been and seen seen the, the whole process of you 
smoke in your head and then getting better. Do you want to talk about A, the injury, what happened, and then B, the continuous road to recovery from that? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm, I'm not like weird about talking about it either because it's like, it's just something that most people are like, I can't I have so much trauma around it. But I, th- I think for me, it just came with the territory. It's like fucked up on a spot and it just, it happened. Right. So I remember we were filming in Minnesota. It was filming for Mayday that year. And I was with Jake Kuzik and he's filming for his welcome to Vans thing. There's a lot of pressure around like Jake filming his Vans thing. And I remember they were trying to film a line and I had already had a decent amount of footage and I was just kind of feeling good. And I just remember trying to get something at every spot. And I wasn't even necessarily into this rail or this, this spot. I just kind of was like, I just want to keep every day I go out, I just want to get something. And so I got fired up and tried to do back 180 on to this kink rail. And then I was going to try to switch board side, the one beneath it. But it wasn't even like we weren't filming a line. It was going to be long lens. So it was just sort of like, and looking back on, like I told Chris, I'm like, even when I dropped in for the one I got smoked on, something felt weird. Like I had moved the ramp or something. I, I was going way too slow and I still tried it back 180 on. And I kind of don't get all the way around. So I go and I kick straight to switch front board. And then the kink is really flat, like really short. So, uh, you know, you hit it and it kind of shoots you out. So I'm doing switch front board. I'm kind of like this. And I'm like, I'm like say in the clip, I'm like, oh, fuck. Because like, I know what's going to happen. But I hit the flat and do like a half front flip and kind of go to grab the bar because I thought it was maybe longer. And I kind of go to grab it and miss. And then I do like a full flip basically just right onto my head onto the corner of the stair. Oh, normally you would kind of catch yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if it was long, you would you could kind of do that and like stop something. yourself basically. Yeah. And if, it, if that worked, that would have been great, but I kind of went to grab and I it just kind of missed and uh woke up at the bottom of the stairs like I thought I was sledding. I don't know if I ever told you that. Nope. I was like, "What happened?" and then they're like, "Dude, like don't move or something." And I was like, "Was I sledding? I thought I grabbed a kid's sled." And was on my feet, like how you would. And I thought I slipped out on the sled. Oh, wow. And hit my head. That's what I thought happened were at you, first. Were you snoring and stuff? Or yeah, snoring. Out snoring. Full snoring. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Eyes in the back of my head. And I think I might have been bleeding out of my ear a little bit. Oh, I remember hearing you were bleeding out of so your ear. So then it was like, it was Tanner Pendleton. It was Sam Fenton. Jake Kuzik were there. And I remember like, dude, the craziest was just opening my eyes and seeing the look on their faces was fucked. Like, yeah. They were so concerned. They were scared. Yeah. And yeah, scared you. And then they're just like, so then I kind of get up and then it's like, I instantly t- room starts spinning. And I start throwing up. And I remember that Arto clip where he does that. I'm like, fuck, that was bad for him. Like, this is going to be bad. Paramedics come. I'm like puking. They're like cutting off all my shit. Just the feeling of like sheer survival. Why were they cutting off all your stuff? Just trying to get me into the, um, what they cut off? They cut off something like a, my jacket or something. Maybe just to help, help you breathe, breathe or something. Yeah, and and I, uh, and then they were just like get me in the ambulance. And I remember being in the ambulance, like looking up, and just being like, as long as my eyes are open and I'm breathing, yeah, I'm fucking alive. But it was a real crazy moment of like, like survival instincts of just like <laughs> I don't know, can't explain it. Not even a thought of like, what did I do that that was so dumb? Just like, I, I'm just going to, I have to survive this. Yeah, you just need to survive. Yeah, and then the even crazier is Sam Fenton. I drove, <clears throat> and Sam Fenton goes to my phone, and he guessed my password. It wasn't 1817. Oh, really? He gets my phone, and he get he just, from hanging out with me or something, he just saw, he just said, he, he just got my phone, took one shot, and it unlocked, <laughs> and called my mom, and then it was like able to, otherwise, I don't really know how they would have got a hold of him. That's wild. So crazy. So, and it wasn't eighteen seventeen. It was like something else. And, and then, so I was like, what are my parents doing here? 
And then the craziest one is being in that room, like after the ambulance, like I knew it was serious because they're like, I'm, I'm going past the waiting room. I'm going into these, like the room, the ICU, the ICU. And there's all these doctors around. I'm like, dude. And then I fucking come to, I look up and there's a fucking light and it's my mom and my dad. And I just go, am I going to die? Oh, wow. I said that to him. I'm like, I'm like, you guys, am I, am I going to die? And then their reaction was so much like, it was like a half, they almost wanted to like talk, like they kind of giggled to like kick me out of it. Like, like you're, you know, you're fine. Like something like that. And then just hearing that, I was like, okay, I'm fine. Yeah. But I just remember the feeling of like, am I going to die? Cause you could, you know, like it was fucking real bad. And, uh, and then I, what happened is I cracked my skull and, and, uh, I think I cracked, I cracked my cochlea. That's why I can't hear in my right ear. I'm still deaf to this day. And, and then, uh, when the skull cracked, it alleviated the pressure that usually causes a lot of those really bad things as the pressure, air pressure gets stuck in there. Yeah. So when I cracked my skull, it alleviated that pressure. So that was like the best thing that could have happened to me. And then from then it was three nights in the hospital and puking constantly and vertigo and. Dude, just a really crazy time. Yeah. Well, and, you know, this, some people knew about it, some people didn't, but it seems like that, you know, that was in, I think, January, correct? Yeah. And you, you <clears> had a, you had kind of road to recovery, maybe didn't do anything till spring, mm-hmm. kind of dabbled back on your board a little bit, took it pretty mellow at hood, and then the next year kind of eased back into snowboarding. Yeah. But I do remember some people not understanding the magnitude of which that injury was because you... You, you know, it's sick to see you back now where you're at. Like you just, you got the cover of snowboarder mag, you know, doing, you're still doing, you know, phenomenal tricks on your snowboard, but there was this weird curve where people didn't understand that what you had been to, to get back in and filming. And do you want to talk about like your motivation, why you didn't stop? Cause I think, you know, personally, a lot of people that had gone through what you could have gone through would have been like, I'm fucking done. I'm, I might recreationally snowboard but I'm done doing this shit for a job, you know? So, uh, yeah. let's, let's talk about that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, again, I don't think it was a conscious thing. I think I'm just, I want to do this shit. I'm so passionate about it that for me it was, yeah. What rehab till I can get back out there as long as, I mean, the scary thing was I didn't have my balance for like a month. I had vertigo for a month. I would walk a straight line that I thought, and my dad, I'd say, is that straight? My dad didn't have the heart to tell me I was basically fucking bouncing off the walls, but I was trying to convince myself that I'm, I'm good. I'm getting better. And <clears throat> the doctors, like, the, the, the dizziness will go away and the hearing will come back and everything will be good. And that shit kind of started to get better. Hearing never came back, which is awesome that I didn't, I mean, I can't imagine having vertigo for a lifetime. You know, vertigo is like the worst thing in the world. It's basically like the spins when you get hammered, but you're sober and, and it's just like turns on and the world goes upside down and you start throwing up. Um, <clears throat> but another one of those things where I didn't even overthink it. I was just like, I clicked into like wanting to just get better and wanting to um, continue what I was doing. And I, I don't think I ever thought about quitting for real. Like it's kind of crazy. And I actually like saying it, I'm like, I probably like should have or something, but it was like an injury. And I think I was just like, I don't know. I'm when can I get back at it? Totally. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dive into another subject because for, I want to preface this with, a documentary I watched, uh, like a 30 for 30 or something like that. And I want to say it was with Ditka. Mm. And he basically was saying, you know, he, he got a lot of concussions playing football. And he was like, you know, if I could go back in time, you know, sure, my memory's a little fuzzy. Sure, you know, I, I forget things at times. But if I could go back in time, 
I would do it all over again. I do it twice as hard, right? And and that's how I I feel. I've had ten concussions. We've talked about this, yeah. right? <clears throat> and and we both struggled with this. And one thing that's going to come up in the comments, I can already tell you right now, is people are going to be like, "Well, dude, what do you do? Put on a helmet, like boom. Sure. That's that's it's over. Like once you put on a helmet, put you can just go on like it's. And and one thing we got to mm. address is a lot of concussions. Whether you're wearing a helmet or not, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, the like, brain's you, still getting jostled. Yeah, you, brain's getting jostled. Where I landed on the stair, a particular place, the helmet wouldn't have got to. Yeah, you know, it, exa- was, it was there. And yeah, and to each their own. To each That's their own. That's great. Exactly. If, if a yeah. helmet makes you feel comfortable, wear a helmet. That's awesome. Like, Do you I, have a stacked up amount of concussions? I probably got a couple. That was a bad one. Not as many as him. Granny's his had, is like he's a TBI. I've had a. Oh, yours was actually a TBI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, yeah. I mean, Granny, Granny's a. St- you know, who knows what's, what's worse? But I mean. I've gotten my bell rung a couple times, but I mean, being knocked out snoring and TBI with, you know, brain swelling is, is definitely. Did they have to remove that. some of your skull for a little bit or no? I think, uh, no, I didn't get any kind of surgery. It's oh, just, it cracked. Awesome. They watched the, they well, the probably pressure. because it cracked. That's exactly why. Yeah. Normally, or they'd go in and I think they crack it. Yeah. They you. crack it mm-hmm. and remove a little piece, but yours yeah. did it on its own. Yeah. And I had that conversation with my dad about wearing a hel- helmet and he, he was like, you know, he knew what a, cause for me, uh, Every time I've worn a helmet, I've actually hit my head, I feel like. and But, again, to each their own. And, like, I want people to do whatever they want to do. For me, um, it just – I wanted to continue doing it that way. And, and yeah. But, uh, yeah, will that for sure be in the comments? Yeah. No, totally. And, and I would like to kind of chime in on this, too, because, you know, you tell people that immediately their their solution is helmet. You have to wear one. And so, you know what? Like, if you if – you, I think if you want to wear one, you should wear one. If you don't – you don't, and there's different, you can just, you can call me an idiot, you can call me a, just any type of hurtful word you want, but for me, you know, it's it's kind of like you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good, you play good, they pay good, right? And if, <laughs> if I, if I How have, long have you been working on that yeah, one, dude? I, I always have, I said that yesterday, smooth. but that's, that's a, ter- a good one. Terrell Owens quote, I mean, you're, you're but, right, though. But, like, if I have a big clunky thing on, and this is stupid, right? You guys can crucify me for this, but if I have a big clunky thing on my head, and I don't feel good, like, I want I want my shit to, like, the kit to look good. You want you, you want to look good, the style to be good, and, and for me, I think with, like, a backcountry guy that's riding a line and you're a small ant on the screen it, it looks okay but where i'm at right now which is r- totally if you disagree with me totally fine but where i'm at right now it just doesn't look right to me and i don't i don't and feel I, yeah feel like and, it's, I, and i think kids should wear a helmet yeah. young I kids before they're fully going riding with you guys 95 99 percent of the time when you guys fall it's like a controlled fall you guys That's know what, what you're say. doing until yeah. you know how to do that then then put That's one on yeah. when you're learning how to snowboard wear a helmet because you're going to get you don't know what that whiplash is going to feel yeah, like the non-pro you do. Should wear a helmet wear a for that you know? and before you until you get to a point where you feel really comfortable to roll out of something or just be a little bit more agile to do it then then wear one. Yeah. Of course. You guys always take the gnarliest bales, but you they're controlled. You can kind of control a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean more than a little bit. It's just yeah. you got your awareness and yeah, and if there's nothing wrong with a young aspiring pro to wear a helmet if they want to wear exactly. a helmet. Exactly. And you know helmet. what? And to be yeah. fair, when I came back, I was riding Buck Hill. I had a helmet on. Yeah. I was like not fucking around for the first month of like yeah. a really fresh injury. I wore it until I felt like I, I felt was, comfortable. Felt comfortable and then I, yeah, and it changed. Yeah. And I think it's good. And like you said, do do what you want. We're not. It's not. Um, and if you disagree, that's okay. And another another great thing that I think uh, I've gone through phases of doing, and I'd like to do more. And, and I think it's really important, like a mouth guard when you're hitting backcountry jump, mm. especially because you know the way way it works. If you if you don't land in the right spot, you land in a hole. Really big risk is kneeing yourself in the face. Right, yeah. that happens a lot. And so 
you know, a and that can give you a concussion too. Oh, that give you worse. And so, yeah. so a lot of times you could be wearing a helmet and knee yourself in the face. You know, that's yeah. very common. I'm not going to. Very common. So, so that's like. Even I like think, big Ollies. Like, like yeah. And you see a Devin Walsh and a lot of these guys wear mouth guards in the backcountry. And, and I'd like to start doing that. And, and probably eventually I will put a helmet on, you know, but uh, not where I'm at right now. Yeah. So, Joey, one thing I want to talk about is the fact that you and I have both kind of uh, basically had some issues around the mental mental health side of things, you know, yeah. both at our heads. I had some substance abuse. You've had a bad uh, TBI, right? And we've always been on this kind of quest to to find the next thing, right? Whether it be yoga or some other <laughs> shit. Or yeah. sleeping with your mouth taped. Exactly. Shut, That's you know? the next thing. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's dive into that. You did some crazy gyroscope thing. Right? Yeah, I did gyrostim therapy, which is like you get in like a NASA chair pretty much. And the thought was that they've, fuck your brain up so much that when it recalibrates, you're like good. And it just did not work at all. It didn't I, work. I mean, I, no, I don't know. Like I, I felt so crazy after. And then I actually ended up going to Europe for this L one photo shoot. And I was like trying to tell them I had this therapy done. I looked like I couldn't even snowboard. Like really? I, I was so dizzy and so out of it. Like they're trying to shoot a photo on like a flat bar, like a eight foot long little flat. Bar. I couldn't even get to the end of the rail. And I was like having a panic attack, called the doctor in Europe. Like, what, what did you do? You know, he's like, it just takes time. It takes time. And it did like calm down, but I didn't, I don't think it was like a life changing thing for me, but that is like the level of like, if this is going to fix it, I'm going to do it. Like me and Chris would talk all the time. Like, have you heard this podcast? Like, have you heard this new (laughs) therapy, new like idea? So I think we both come from a place of like trying to fix it. And we both kind of learning that there is no fixing it. Do you both have short views? Um, issues when filming yes just when my, filming my patience has gotten a lot better I've I know Chris something has I act- short views <laughs> Chris has short views for sure well it's just very common with head injuries yeah well, no. you're, you're, I mean you, but you, you do improve like for example I've seen gains where where yeah I've I do have a short fuse, but I've noticed that it's a little bit longer. I got a lot of work to do mm. than it yeah, was. After you did that yeah. treatment I noticed a difference and that's yeah, yeah. my, my yeah. partner said that too at the time and Stuff like that, and um, but I love that where you you think that you get there, right? It's yeah. like, all right, I'm gonna do this treatment, and then I'm gonna be good. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna start meditation, and it's, you got to realize at a certain point in time, it's kind of a love the process thing. You're just like, absolutely, I I, I feel a little off, but I'm I'm gonna try this. All right, fuck, that works, but like, and if you stop doing it, it doesn't work. You know, um, it's kind of like what I was saying about like oh, that dang anxiety's back. Like <laughs> when I'm when I, if I wake up in the morning, I meditate, and I'm conscious kind of throughout the day. I'm getting exercise. I'm I mean, I'm snowboarding. I'm doing my work. I'm doing these things like. I'm journaling at night, like you're kind of good, and you don't realize you're good because you just you're feeling like you normally do. Mm-hmm. You only feel off when you feel off. So then that's what happened. I'll I'll go party one night. I won't meditate that next day. I'll fucking lay around on the couch, and then two three days, I'll have like a panic attack or be anxious, and I'm like, see, I'm I'm broken. Like this thing came back, and it's like I don't look to the things that I was doing were actually like helping me. Yeah, the human body's amazing because you don't notice anything. Yeah, that's wrong with anything in your body until something feels weird, and then it's all that. Yeah, and, and I'm hypersensitive to that now yeah. for some reason. Like I don't know if it was after the head injury or whatever, but my anxieties have become like a weird little thing in my stomach equals, you know, quadruple how dangerous it could be. You know, it could yeah. be some disease or and all these things, and that sucks. But um, yeah, I'm just learning how to like navigate those things. Yeah, when it's right, when everything's running right. You just don't feel anything. <laughs> and that's the way is like, I think yeah. me and, we always want to, you want to feel that way all the time. Like when you're feeling on, 
it's a cool feeling when you're just like buzzing kind of, and everything feels right and there's no real worries. And then sometimes it takes like you get by yourself, you're not doing your thing. And then the, the mind is powerful and starts to tell you that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's true. And at the end of the day, also one thing that we tend to forget as humans is that life ebbs and flows. Like sometimes yeah. you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. They're not all going to be good, but just know you got the tools to to deal with those yeah. when you're having a rough time. The good days wouldn't be good without the bad days, you know? True. It's true. And, like, having, yeah, only good days. Like, you have those bad ones to kind of appreciate the good ones, too. But when it's so bad, you just have this, like, oh, like, I'm so fucked up. I'm broken. Like, that. You kind of get down on yourself, and that's not helpful either, mm. right? But there's people who are really good at navigating it, and I think I've gotten better at it mm-hmm. because I, I really – worked at trying to fix it like I was working on other shit in my life. Like with us diving into these podcasts and books and things, it's just like we're just, yeah, hands on. How can we how can we fix this? Like I wasn't one didn't want to be the person who sat around bitching about what I had going on and then someone from the outside is like, well you're just laying there doing nothing. Like I was like, at least I want to be actively trying to do things so I can say that I'm working on this on these things. I love that. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, it's yeah. kind of nerdy, but it's but we're both into it. So let's just stay on it. <laughs> yeah. and people people might not be into it, but <laughs> like, dude, uh, you know, it, well, some things I really am fascinated by is like simple, actionable stuff you can do. Right? Probably yeah. a lot of snowboarders out there smack their heads. Yeah, and there's different areas of the brain that get affected differently. Yeah, and for me, uh, one of the ones you know, memory and stuff like that was it was one that was damaged and and i had a lot of trouble finding my words and that, that mm-hmm. was what the brain scan mm-hmm. but one very simple actionable thing you can do is reading and it's mm-hmm. i was never a reader and i always kind of i fucking hate people that read and they're like oh i'm like like intellectuals that think they're better than people <laughs> i fucking hate that guy so like i found out that you know a lot of this cognitive therapy i was doing was based around books and reading mm-hmm. and like I noticed I finally got to this one book. This I really like Robert Greene. He's an author and he has some thick, hard to digest books. And I eventually um, realized like I, I got this one book and I'm like, I'm never going to be able to get through this. But I just made a commitment. I'm going to read every day, whether it's one page. It might just be one page. But before I get up, I'm going to read one page. And I would read one to two pages minimum every day and sometimes five. On average, probably three. But next thing you know, you wake up and you're like, holy shit, I read this whole book. Yeah. And all I did, and it was in five-page increments. And and so it's like, it it isn't that hard to just, if you just make a commitment to say like, and and that's really good for your brain and remembering remembering what you read is also important. So if you read it at night and write down what you read in the morning, mm. that's activating, you know, your brain. So uh, your memory. Well, and even when we talk about like just the simple act of doing something every day, like you're like, I wake up, I make my bed. Remember you're saying yeah. that. Like I wake, it's just doing something every day consciously is kind of huge. And like, you know, I did, uh, I did 50 days in a row meditating and 50 days in a row journaling after my mom passed away. And it was like this way of just like, I don't know if it was coping with it or something, but I, it was like a test. Like, I just want to see, you know, actually try to do this, not three days in a row, three days and see how I was, I was like 50 days. And I, I marked it down and, and I felt, you know, there were still bad days in there and things like that, but it was cool to look back and go, I did this every day consciously. So I think that's huge. It's just, a lot of people get in and get hyped and then they fall off. And like, I'm guilty of that as well, but Everyone. to be conscious and to do it for a lot of days in a row, I think you do notice, you know, some benefits. And the brain's a muscle. You got to use exactly. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you got to use it or lose it. Exactly. And, and you can take that into like, if you're doing that and you know, I did this 50 days in a row, like your work seems a little easier. You're, you're, you know, the problems in your life are, you're, there's, you can handle shit better. 
like I remember, you know, my girlfriend was telling me I, I felt like I had a little more patience. And I she's like, You had a bad temper. You were really short when we first started dating. And like she has to remind me, like, you were kind of a mess before even like quarantine, this whole quarantine thing. And that's when I really took a step of like, I want to try to become there's no excuse now. We're stuck at home. Like I was like, I'm gonna use this for good instead of bad. I'm not gonna drink every day. I'm gonna use this as like human like some optimization and try to be come come out of this a better person. I think that's uh, really cool for people to hear because you hear a long a big narrative and for a lot of people very reasonable narrative they've lost their job or people you know lost yeah. people around them but um you know you you kind of took this quarantine and, and had like a positive thing you flipped it in a positive way I, I that's all I could do that's all I want I, I think it's so it was easy to to be really negative I mean everyone this thing fucking sucks like and the no the the knee jerk reaction is to to do nothing you know. But I, I never felt so much more like I want to come out of this better. And like I just wanted to um, use it as like a full like spectrum of like there's all this time. I want to make sure I'm using each one for po- positive time. And that's when I came up with like that journal idea and things like that. Just trying to put it into like a- like actionable things and just like filling my time with positive activity. Feels good to accomplish stuff. Dude, it really does. And and for whatever whatever that means, even if it's going to the gym or doing a home workout, mm-hmm. you're like, well, at least I did something. Like, I did a home workout, and, like, I went skating, and, you know, I answered some emails, and you can go to bed like, well, I did something, you exactly. know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And and then the fundamentals. I was looking at this. I don't know how this relates, but uh, I was at a, at a different gym than one I normally go to, but I was at one not too long ago, and it was like a pyramid of uh, kind of like how you – I don't know if it would be like gains or accomplish what you want, but essentially it was like, you know, a bunch of things. It was like diet, um, you know, what you put into your body, this, that sleep. And then at the bottom of everything was consistency. Mm-hmm. The foundation of everything is That's consistency. Cool. I never so, heard that. That's so really cool. It was, it was, uh, it, it kind of like made a light bulb go off. Cause you're like, it doesn't matter how well I eat. It doesn't matter if I'm good at snowboarding. Nothing fucking matters unless you have consistency. So it's like, you know, yep. the, the consistency, even if it's it's a small amount, consistency is really fucking important for this type of shit. 100%. Like eating better is just being conscious and being consistent or just trying to sleep better. All these things. Like I love that because it's true and and that it's not a magic. Like some people, it's so hard. It's like it is really hard, but there's simple changes, simple habits that you that are tough. But once you do it, they're they're fairly like, you know, they're not like, it's not a course you have to pay ten, you know, ten thousand dollars to get healthy. You can just kind of just try to be a little more conscious. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we've been talking on some nerdy fucking self optimization. Let's do a little pivot. <laughs> uh, Stone's over it. He's uh, like, no, I'm down, dude. Uh, let's get in some hot takes, dude. People like like our oh, hot takes. Okay. Uh, first one, MJ of snowboarding. Who you got? Oh my gosh. Um, MJ of snowboarding. Like my my word, Michael huh? Jordan. Michael yeah. Jackson. I mean, I'm gonna say J.P. Walker. It's you too. Did yeah? Did a lot of people hate that answer? Do they? A lot of people hate it. I uh, just think it's I'm like with you. I'm with you. On it's that. our it's our generation. Like that's two like asking. Guys, yeah. That's like the you know someone might say Wilt Chamberlain. You know because they're like Abe Ruth like, or some shit if they're mad old. <laughs> sure, but like yeah, I don't know. I gotta say for my for my generation, it's that's it. Okay, next question. Um, worst trend in snowboarding. Already answered this. 
off air before. Oh, I see, yeah, negativity, I think, is one of the worst trends in snowboarding. But just, like, across the board. I don't know. Yeah, that's, and, a good, that's a good one. And, again, like, I'm not, like, trying to preach. I just, like, I'm on some, like, trying to have positivity. And, like, I don't know. It's Maybe it's, like, this brand and seeing a different thing, but trying to help people out. And I think this industry is really small. And I think the more we help each other out, kind of the better. And, dude, I was as guilty as everyone. When I was a kid, I would talk shit for sure. And I just learned that it just gets you nowhere. So I'm just fucking over that. And I just would rather spread positivity. And you can still call a spade a spade. You don't have to love everything. But you don't have to preface it with, like, this is whack as fuck. You know? Well, there's also, there's tones to that, too. Yeah. Because there's, like, fun negativity where you're yeah. like, that's just fucking whack. <laughs> yeah. But you're, like, yeah. goofing. Yeah. And then there's people that are just toxic negativity where they just can't get out of their own way. Yeah, and there's a big just, difference yes. between joking around and yeah. actually just being a negative person. 100%. Bringing everyone yeah. down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thoughts on the beaver slap in the lift line? when You, <laughs> you got a take on that? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, is that where you, you like the, it? You get the ice chunk off the board. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Do you, are, do you, are you a? Uh, I've, d- I've been known. Yeah, did you I've see Pat it. Moore posted yeah. one? <laughs> I've done it. Well, because it gets icy in the bindings, so yeah, I mean you have to slap a little bit, right? It, do you feel like it's a little bit of a flex in the lift line? Uh, not as much of a flex as dragging your board across the parking oh. lot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's give that an air horn. <laughs> that's a that's good flex. That's got to get a name or something. Yeah, like, the board drag. That was wow. the best. Like the people who just like they can't lift it two inches above yeah. the concrete. And they drag it. Just it just has to drag. So everyone turns and goes, oh, damn. What that, about skiers, dude, when they throw the whole thing, just the end of the skis on their oh, shoulders? Oh, the, the harpoon. That's what that's, uh, Johan, oh. Johan, call, Johan calls that harpoon. Dude, he says they're, they're always spinning around. Yeah. Snowboarders do it to joke on the skiers, I How think. How else are you supposed to hold skis, though? Under your arm a little bit? I mean, yeah, you don't need to oh, throw true. just yeah. the end of them on your shoulder <laughs> so it sticks out six yeah, feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. And true. then they walk through the village like yeah. with their funny boot walk. <laughs> Sure, a couple of people have been smoked in the dome ski with that one. Yeah. But I like what, it. honey? And they just yeah. spin around <laughs> yeah, yeah. and smack you in the I, face. I want to circle back around to the edge drag for a little bit. because <laughs> The is, edge drag. It is just when you're just walking through a resort parking lot and somebody's got their snowboard by the binding and they're just letting that thing bark on yeah, the pavement. Letting it bark. It's just. It's usually a sponsored rider. Oh, yeah. Definitely, yeah. yeah. You think it's kind of like, hey, I get free boards? Yeah, it's or, like, I don't care about this board because there's another one in my car. But even me, I'm like, I'm. we don't get a ton of parts. So, <laughs> so I'm holding that thing above the concrete. <laughs> now you see, you see the truth. In I know how much they cost. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really trying to. Uh, they're not cheap. No. Well, that, that's cheap. a great segue because where you've landed, you've had some great sponsors over the years. And ultimately, you have landed on starting your own snowboard company, Public Snowboards. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Uh, let's Reasons see. why? You know, I don't. I I get asked a question a lot. There's not really a reason why. It was like I was riding for uh, Stepchild for a long time. And I think it just got to a place where I wanted to do more. And I didn't. Even, I don't even know what doing more meant or looked like. It just was like some inner thing that was like, ah, I got to do something else. So I ended up quitting Stepchild. And I got a couple offers to ride for a couple other brands. It was like Nitro and I think K2. And I was really like, I was going to go back to Nitro, which kind of sounded cool. Like I, that was how I started my career and stuff. But um, at the end of the day... Staying up at night, I couldn't like sleep without thinking about those didn't feel right. Again, it just another one of those like, ah, like it would be cool, but you know, and it was nothing like if I wasn't 100% sparked on it, like firing up to, to do this, then I then it didn't feel right. And that turned into pitching to Stepchild about starting another company. And it was going to be 1817 boards at first. So 
I texted Brad Richmond and I was like, what if we did 1817 boards? And he was just kind of like, oh, I'm, well, we're down. Like we can, we can do it kind of through stepchild. Right. And then it was about four months or three months out from the trade show SIA. So as we're kind of kicking around doing boards, I'm like, well, that eliminates everyone who is part of 1817 that has a board sponsor. The animals can't wear a t-shirt. Jake OE can't wear a hoodie. Like I was like, well, that sucks. Like now it's just this board thing and all these dudes who are a part of it don't get to be a part of like, it's just a board brand now. And so I was like, never mind. I don't want to do that. I'd rather keep 1817. What it is, is just like a homie apparel, whatever you want to call it. Like just a, a, a crew, you know? So I was like, he's like, okay. And I told him like, let's not do 1817 boards. I want to do something else. I was just, what if we just did a different name? And it's like, essentially like we're starting another company from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Just <laughs> whatever you want to do. Just the trade shows in two months. So whatever. And it was like literally from then like, damn, okay. I'm starting a brand and started writing out a ton of names. And that was like the crazy fun part. I reached out to my friend, Anthony Capetta, who does like graphic design work for a bunch of big brands in New York, like halls and Michelob ultra. And I'm like, can you help me with like, you know, I think I was just like, can you help me with a logo? And he's like, you're doing your own brand. <laughs> Everyone was just like, what? And then he was like, yeah, I can help you. And he kind of did the first, he did our logo, like that face logo. And, uh, and then he helped do one of the first boards. And then it all kind of fell into place. I remember being in, in bear. Daryl was on stepchild. I was like, I'm going to do, I think I'm gonna do my own brand. And Daryl was so cool. Whatever you do, I'm, I'm going with you. And that was really awesome. He didn't care what it was. Um, and then I was in bear mountain with Daryl. We were like, well, who should we have do the board? It was just such a funny, like we don't have a lot of time. Like how do we figure this out? And it was kind of cool that way because it wasn't planned out. It was like shooting from the hip. Like, who do we have to do the graphics? Who do we have to sell this stuff? Like, who do we, you know? And then it was kind of like, this dude's sick. Let's have him be a part of it. So I called Josh Manolas, who's a good skate friend of mine. And I said, I'm doing my own snowboard company. Can you help us do like a t-shirt or a sticker? He's like, you're doing your own board brand? I'm like, yeah. He's like, can I do the graphics? Like, I'm like, the board graphics? He's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, sure. And we, I showed Daryl like his kind of reel of like his vibe. And Daryl's like, dude, that's our guy. Like, this is sick. And no idea what it would turn into, but Josh was down and I was just like, cool. So from then on we had, we kind of had it going and, uh, yeah, it's kind of a long, long oh. prelude, but basically it was, um, two months before the trade show. And then I, I came up with the name. I wanted to call it private at first. And then I was like, well, that's weird. Once it comes out, it's kind of like what's private about it anymore. What about public? That turned into like this cool, greater good story of like, I wanted to include a lot of people in it. I wanted to start the brand and the idea that like, kids buying the product would be a part of the brand. And I always wanted to like, even before that I started public impressions with a Tumblr where I would just answer questions. And I just liked the idea of like peeling back this veil of, of inclusivity. I wanted people to feel like if they mowed their lawn, you know, to save it to buy this board, like send us a photo, you riding it. We'll, and we'll post it. We'll just like, I'll, we'll chat about it. You know, I, I wanted there to be a community with it. So um, that was cool to have like an idea for the brand. And then a, even like a bigger picture about it. I was like, I want to be one of those brands. I think I had seen a big brand not answer some kid on DM or on his gram about like a warranty question. And I was like, that's so, that's such a bummer. That kid could have mowed his lawn, saved up for this board. And like, he, he just, whether it's not a warranty, he just, yeah, wants, a not cheap, right? just wants a response, right? Yeah. So I remember thinking like, I want to be the brand that is responds and is just like not too cool for school to, to respond. So that's been the ethos from it. We're in our fifth year, learned a shitload along the way, 
Um, but dude, I wouldn't change it for anything. I think it's, it's been such a fun ride and I've learned so much and I just kind of got thrown into it, but, uh, I couldn't be happier. Fuck man. I, I love, uh, I love what you're doing. And thank you. One thing I want to say, just using your own words and I may put some words in your mouth here, but going back, talking about like back in the day, you turned down Red Bull, right? So turned down a huge sponsor that, that shows how much you care about, you know, certain things like you care about, you know, gear and the culture right you're really into snowboarding what tricks go in your part or mm. what spots are cool mm-hmm. you're really particular about this this snowboard industry and you you carry it like near and dear to your heart i can say from an outsider or you know as a friend and so it seems like to me if you look at the space of snowboarding it's a lot of brands are owned by bigger companies right and so if you look at skate you look along the wall there's almost something that fits everybody oh maybe i'm maybe I'm a baker kind of kid. Maybe I'm a palace kind of kid. And and it did, it just seemed like in snowboarding, you know, uh, there, there was no brand that felt like it was like, you know, like, like the way Andrew Reynolds is the face of, of Baker. And I mean, that's a shitty analogy. It, there's not like that type of vibe in snowboarding. I mean, maybe there is, and I'm, and I'm, somebody's going to be offended, but like, as far as from, from our world of street snowboarding, I just didn't see it from anybody. And so, I just feel like you, you filled such a necessary uh, space of people that share the same core values with snowboarding as you. Damn, thank you. Yeah, I think uh, when it became, when it was the opportunity to do it, I did want to put like the proper care and attention into it. I wanted to put a team together of people that I liked and I wanted to do it like I saw people do before me. Like, I wasn't going to just do like a strictly direct to consumer with no team or something like that. I just wanted to like, I wanted to get it into shops. I wanted to do it, just follow that same model, you know? And, uh, I wanted to come from a place of like appreciation for what was before me too, and, and try to do it, do it right. And, um, I wanted to create something that was kind of new and that kids could like, like I said, like something that kids could maybe connect to a little bit. Uh, I got to commend you real quick on the team because, you know, there's there's a lot of teams, a lot of different people, but there's this like intangible thing that some snowboarders have and some don't. I like to refer to it as flavor. And you yeah. guys, you guys, the squad, they, they're all full of so much flavor with Crager and Ben. And then I want to talk about um, Jib Girl mm. because, you know, we had her as a guest on the podcast and it was crazy the amount of people that were like saying really, really hurtful things about her and yeah. you know she's doing her thing and it's just i just have mucho respect for you know having having her on the team you want to talk about that yeah that was a really cool um just the way it all worked out i've known her for a little bit we weren't super close but she had moved to minnesota and uh it's here at the skate park and things like that and the one thing that i'll say that no one knows is like she skates and snowboards harder more than anybody like me and josh go to the skate park okay see you danielle and she's still there like skating so I saw that and I was like, all the other, you know, bullshit aside, she's a skate and snowboard rat. Like she loves it. And that was what first grabbed I was just like, this is dope. And then beyond that, she's really fucking good. She's really good at snowboarding. She's yeah. really good. And she cares about what she's wearing. She cares about what she's doing. Like it all makes sense when you see it. And I I gravitate towards people like that. I like seeing someone who cares what they're wearing, like, yeah. who wants to look <laughs> fresh and like wants the trick to accent the cl- whatever. So I had to hit her up and I was just like, I thought she was going to ride for someone else. And I said, Hey, are you, 
are you still riding? She's for almost going to ride for DC. Right? Yeah. yeah. I said, are you going to, are you going to ride for DC? She's like, actually, no. Cause I want to stay on this outerwear thing. So I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I said, uh, whoa, okay. Like, do you want to ride one of our boards? And she's like, yeah, I'd love to. And then I was just like, do you want to ride for us? Like it made sense to have her on. Yeah. But I honestly thought she was like inaccessible. I thought she's gonna be like, yeah, here's my price. And I just be like, Oh God, fuck. Yeah. But she's so down. And that's, what's really cool about her too is she also just reps people that she just backs. Like she wears that smooth one, eight hoodie that she is like a kid. She's just down with she's it. She's just brothers. Like she's just, if this shit's sick, I'm going to run it. Yeah. And you kind of get this feeling like, Oh, it's like you got to pay her a bunch for that spot. If it's sick, she's going to run it. And she is a super authentic, talented, motivated snowboarder. And I'm really happy to have her on. That's cool. Hey, I got a Patreon question. Did you want to... Uh... Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we get asked... I, don't, I think some people are maybe confused about what our Patreon is. But basically, it's a subscription-based platform where you sign up and you kind of gain access to some behind-the-scenes footage. We do an exclusive interview with our guests you kind of get to ask us questions, and then ultimately we kind of let you know who we're recording with, and you get to submit a question to Eastone, and maybe it could be on the air. So it's kind of fun, and ultimately we don't have a, like a big budget or anything, so it's kind of cool. We're we're a podcast supported by the people. We care about this community, and I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon members already. And if you're looking to sign up, you can find it at uh, bombhole.com. We have a link or Patreon.com/slash the bombhole, I believe. So, yeah, get into that question. It's cool, too. Looking at the Patreon, there's, like, pro snowboarders on there, yeah. industry people. Yeah. It's uh, awesome. It's kind of cool to look through the names. Yeah, from, absolutely. From Lucas Magoon to Pat Moore, Johnny O'Connor. That's sick. Yeah, there's there's homies on there. That's really cool. I even saw Jake Burton's son signed up the wow. other day. Thank Let's you. give him an air horn. That's great. So, uh, this one's from Johan, actually, who uh, is kind of the king of sales. I mean. Yes. Capita, Union, Cole, Sort Basic. of like what you look at as a small brand is like role model type shit yeah. to where you want to maybe get to. Yeah, This guy is like the chief of sales in snowboarding and a really good dude. He has a question for you. What's harder, running public or being a pro shred and why? Oh, it's like they're so different, right? Like I think they're just two different sides of the brain. Like I always kind of say that even on trips, like if I'm trying to film something and I got like emails at night, you just have to kind of click over and you're like – you when you're snowboarding and filming, you're only thinking about tricks and spots and how it's going to look and all these things. And then when you're in the business side or like doing emails, you're thinking about, you know, how's this coming off and who, how am I, you know, who am I talking to and how am I talking to them? And, and you're kind of like maybe thinking a little bit more about other people, I guess. Um, so I would say, dude, I think, fuck, I'd say running a business is harder is it's so, uh, it's so less like tangible. I know if I, if I just go do this trick on this handrail, that's considered good for the day. But this business move that I do might be bad down the road. or You know, it's just so, like, you're not really sure. So I think you, you kind of, s- like, shoot from the hip a lot more in the business world, and you're kind of going through the motions. Whereas snowboarding on a rail and a trip, it's, like, pretty straightforward. I just got to try to get tricks, right? It's obviously physically harder to do tricks than write an email, but I think the mental game is uh, it's tougher to navigate, like, sometimes, like, the business world. Yeah, I think that's a great answer because, yeah, you make a decision, it could affect you for a long time. And for sure. You spend that money, and yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. What's cool is you guys seem to learn a lot from being pro snowboarders, and you're, 100%, you yeah. really learn how to work hard. And it yeah. goes to every every time a pro kind of invests their time in a project like this, they learn so much from being a pro that it seems like a lot of them are pretty successful, and it's pretty cool. 
I think it's an interesting skill set. Cause yeah. like even before, like I started this brand, you're still in like 32 meetings about, you know, ads and, and the video project and things. You learn so much just being around it. So it's like, like I said, when I started this, I wanted to do it like stuff I saw is just from the stuff you saw like you absorbed. Right. But, um, I just feel like there's a difference between kind of both of them. It's like the business side can be really tricky at times too. Yeah. Real tricky. But then also like if I'm on a trip and I'm getting a trick, and I'm running a public board, like it's full circle. And I'm like, this is cool. Like kind of doing my job, like full circle, which is kind of a sick feeling. And you start to think differently on, yeah. on how to, I guess, think about you're, you're actually trying to sell a product. Yeah. How can you film to, I don't know, your image and. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff like that. And being consciously not following the same mold yeah. of everything. Like I don't need to get Ben with like a hoodie on and like, you know, just like, I don't want that actually. I want to still maintain my like idea of that Ben's sick because he's Ben. Ben Billado. Yeah, Ben Billado. He's sick because he's Ben. He doesn't need to be in a public billboard for me to think he's gonna like sell a product. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's kind a good point. Misty, untangible dopeness. That's, that's the flavor. That's, that's a flavor. Like, yeah. And if Ben's in something that he's feeling and he gets a sick clip and he's on a board, that's dope. But like if he's on something and he's wearing a something he's not comfortable in. Yeah, it might not even get a clip or it might look weird. Like I either there's way. There's people who don't understand anyways. that. Yeah, they there don't. are totally people lot, that don't understand that. A lot that. of people don't understand. They that. just don't get that. And you're like, but it is like a look good, feel good thing. It's very important to me. Wait, what was the end of that, Chris? Well, you look good, you feel good, you feel good, you play good, you play good, they pay good. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> Shouts to Trello. <laughs> you got it. No, you gotta mentally be feeling tight or else it's definitely gonna affect your riding. But I've had team managers be like, that shit doesn't matter. Like it you can does, wear you yeah. can wear anything. Like just just put the hoodie on and it's like it's not it's not that easy sometimes. Like you really do gotta like feel yourself a little bit. Yeah. I love what you guys are doing because I'm not like I'm not in the know with like cool <laughs> fashion trends and shit. I just wear my stuff, and you guys are like on this weird, you know, weirdo shit sometimes. And you're like, "Fuck, that's dope!" But but you need that because you guys are kind of I would say a lot of it either like in front or setting trends, right? And it's like, thank you. And then you can you can back it up and look at oh spreadsheet. It's like <clears throat> logo association equals yeah. sales, right? And I, it's like, yeah. And then you guys are like, let's crinkle up that formula and do our own shit. And I think we've even had, like I said, we've had to kind of pull back. Like we'll, should we just do a basic logo board to like, and we're like, no, like this is what we set out to do this differently. Let's do it differently. Like Ben's board is kind of crazy. And it's like, but it looks different and it's sick. And like, we did that Nick Dirks, this one right here, like Nick Dirks did the graphic for it. And it's like, it's got jokers and it's kind of this crazy thing. And it's like, but it still fits what we're doing, but it's just like a little bit like out there, but we'd rather do that and stay true to what we're doing. than just go down the same path of like doing a board that just looked boring, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there are times where we're like, but will it sell good? It's like, we're going to sell more being ourselves than we're going to trying to be somebody else. That's the truth right yeah. there. Because so otherwise, there's so much competition. you got to be yourself. Yeah. And we at the end of the day, we look back. We're stoked on what we're doing. And our team is. We're just like, we're happy. That's sick. You know? One of the rarest things in this world, I will say, is authenticity. And if you can be a brand that's authentic, you'll always rise to the top, in my opinion. Damn. Um, yeah. I mean, and we, we had, like, I answer every DM. Like, we just try to be authentic as, like, if that's what we set out to do, that's what I want to be. And, I mean, I think we, we help kids out. If a kid broke a board, it's clear. He came down on the rail. It's like. Give him a new one. Like, yeah, and we just and I'm not to. saying I'm not I'm not like saying hit me up all the time for that. <laughs> yeah, He's but like, it's just like if you see it <laughs> and it's authentic, you do have that soft spot, and you're like, you know what, I want to help this kid out, and it's cool to be in a position 
to be able to do that or even take the time to give kid a feedback on a sponsor me tape or something. Cause I would have liked that as a Dude, kid. It goes a long way with these kids that actually answer them. Cause the companies that don't, they're going to, they're going to lose. They're not going to get that connection and they're going to be a customer for life. Yeah. And it, and it even goes beyond being a brand owner. It's just like me personally. I'm like, if I, you know, now there's this access to that stuff. And, and I feel like it's cool to give a kid some real guidance instead of just being like, yeah, don't bother me or something. Your shit looks good. Like, you know, try to do this a little bit or think about this or find the best kid in the park and be as good as him. Mm-hmm. Something to work towards. That gives that kid that little bit of a spark to like keep it going, right? So, and there's kids that I see tons of potential with. Like there's, every kid's really good, you know? But then there's that kid with a little bit of flavor and, and that's just, it's cool to see too. Going right on top, target with what we're talking about, I get this DM all the time. So I'm sure, you know, as a brand owner, you must get it all the time. But, you know, do you have any advice for somebody to get sponsored mm. and and it's be really interesting to hear from you as a brand owner you know whatever team manager everything <laughs> right like from from your perspective if these kids are wondering that what is something that you're looking for or you tell them to focus on yada 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 i think i don't i don't instantly discount them for sending that message because i think that's just the age we're in you can like reach out and be accessible and i think and there's kids that we've sent boards to from like a dm that Ultimately, you have to have some footage to show for it, right? So it's hard when they just send a message with nothing to show. You're like, yeah, send some footage because you have to see something, right? But I think the main thing is like what you're saying, a little bit of flavor and a little bit of like bringing something different to the table as far as like, A, what you look like on your snowboard, your work ethic. Like just because you get a board and film your first part, like it's a long, it's a long process to keep this stuff really going. So I think you want to see that in a kid, like if he's, and you got to be in the street a little bit too, like a lot of park clips and you're like, cause going in the streets, a whole different thing, finding spots, building the spot, all the things like that vans, the stuff they find, you got to have an eye, you got to know how to build stuff. Like it's another level of like professionalism to get there. But back to that whole thing is like good example is Tommy Towns, right? Tommy's got this thing that you can't really put your finger on and he's, He's good. He's young. Um, but you can tell he's going to mature into something really like special. And he's got the right people around him that are going to help, you know, build him. And he's ultimately, to me, I think he's going to be something pretty special in snowboarding. And I think you can see that and people, that's why he's kind of getting stuff going right now. Cause he's young and people can see it. Um, but it's always sort of an unspoken thing. Everyone's good, but like you said, flavors everything. Is this a Midwest kid, Tommy Towns? Tommy oh, Towns, he's, he's from kid. Massachusetts. I'm gonna really? be air, yeah. air horn. He grew up right next yeah. to me. Really? Go, go I on. need to look this kid up. I like he's, his name. He starts really with sick. a name, right? Yeah, Tommy there. Towns. Tommy yeah, it would look That's, good on the on yeah. the top sheet of the board. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I think yeah, we we do get that answer a lot, and I try to do my best to like help kids. And, and another one is like, like I said, find the the best kid. Like watch the local video, and you gotta be at least as good as that kid. You know, because there is skill at the end of the day. You can look really cool, but you got to be, you got to have skill. You got to be good. Another thing that, that's an interesting one, which you see in Midwest rope toe culture, is if you, if you go to the Midwest, people that aren't familiar, there's little tiny hills with rope toes of kids just going psycho on all these rails. And they're all so good. Yeah. And, you know, somebody like yourself might be just cruising on an average Wednesday, getting a couple laps in, getting some board time in, right? And they look at you and they, they're like, I just 360 onto the rail. Joe is pro and he's making all kinds of money. And why yeah. am I not pro? I just did a better trick than him. 
Why not? <laughs> yeah. So, like, diving into that, that there's there's so many more layers to there getting are. to where yeah. you're chilling on your board. Eleven video parts later, that's like you know what are your what are your merits that have gotten you? You have to win contests. You have to do you have to do a lot of early steps, work hard, claw, yeah. and then eventually you can cruise the park and whatever. But ain't going. Well, you're you up there having that. fun, right? Yeah, up there having fun. I think that's a little bit of like kind of the the day and age. There's like a lot, a lot of Instagram stuff going around, like. Well, I got I posted this thing and got twenty five thousand views and I saw that pro only got ten. Where's my shoe or <laughs> boot or you know, like I think there's a little bit of that. It's not everywhere. I don't think kid I don't think it's every kid, but I do think that um there's just a little bit of like not seeing the whole picture of like that guy that, that is where he's at has ten years before you. And I think a lot of those kids, they gotta just be patient. It's gonna come. If the work ethic's there and you're starting here, like and you're good enough. It's going to come. But if you get bitter about that that early, that's not a good attitude right out the gate because it gets a lot harder when that kid then gets the spot on the team or, you know, whatever as you're trying to move your way up. Again, it comes back to, like, a positive attitude. Go through the motions. Focus on yourself and your snowboarding. Be the best you can be and people around you. People will tell you you're good enough to get sponsored. You won't even be coming to them. People will be coming to you to put you on. My dad always said that. When you're good, you can tell someone. When you're really good, they'll tell you. And I was like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like he, you know, he's right. You don't have to go around Thailand when you're good. If you're really good, they'll tell you. Facts right there. That's a, that's some knowledge from Shake Tiller. Let's yeah. give him let's give him the super <laughs> air horn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I'm loving this new super Me air horn. Too. Your dad is an OG. And he's going back amazing. to the advice uh you said just now, before we were uh, rolling for the podcast, you had some advice you got from JP I thought was really good. Yeah, that was, I don't even remember how long I said it would go, like six or seven years, but he said, um, in the way I was going to say the way he emphasized it meant even more. He's, it was like during a time where I would go to JP for a lot of advice and he was going through some stuff too in his life and we kind of bonded over like he was kind of in this place in his career and I was in that middle career where I'm like working hard on tricks and getting burnt out a little bit. And I think I just asked him about, I've always had like maybe some confidence issues about if I'm confident in my decisions or if I'm confident in my own skin sometimes. And he said, why would I care what someone else thinks about me? And I just remember being like, it sounds kind of trivial on the surface, but then you think about it and you're like, that actually is pretty deep and it's pretty meaningful. And it, and it's, I wish I, I wish I heeded advice, his advice a little bit better, but I still remember it to this day. And it, it's a really cool anecdote to like kind of live your life. I think that's beautiful, and I also think that uh, that that kind of circles into another quote that that ties in with Instagram. That's kind of hard. Um, where it's it made me think of this. It's uh, their opinion of me is none of my business, or like your opinion of me is none of my business, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, with Instagram, your opinion of me or whatever, right? You you can actually see it instead of somebody. And so uh, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but it just kind of I think it goes to like. Even what you, what is that thing? I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everyone. Like that's a great quote in the The quote we look at in the booth. That's what we're staring at. Yeah. And it's, it's awesome. And I I think like it comes to me wishing I was better at this too, but like we also grew up maybe kind of under a microscope. There was message boards that told you how wacky you were all the time. So I think, and I try to explain that to people who, if you don't, and we're like this level of any bit of notoriety, right? Mm -hmm. But it, that shit hurts. It cuts you deep and you start to like remember those things. 
So I think that's part of it is like now moving on and that's not as prevalent. It's like you still, you going to Starbucks and the people serving you, it's like, that's the message board. Like, do they like me? Do they think I'm cool? Like all these different things. Right. And that's what I struggle with where I'm like, I'm too worried about what other people are thinking and I wish I could turn it off, but that's just maybe some scars from looking at that shit back in the day. And wanting to not give a fuck, but secretly giving a fuck. Well, yeah, and it, the black belt move is like trying not to, right? But you, even let's just take message board, Instagram, whatever it yeah. is. Now you, it's Instagram. You, you got a hundred comments, right? Yeah. 99 of them are just like very positive. And there's that one that's yeah. like hurtful. Yeah. And for some reason you think about the one, it's like, dude, always. how do you, you know? But always, yeah. That, that's the black belt move. And Jamie Thomas came on. Uh, he was a guest. He said some great advice. He's like, Take the extreme negative comments and take the extreme positive comments and throw them out. And whatever is right in the middle is something that you can kind of uh, like gauge your gauge your, gauge yeah. your uh, audience on or something like that. Yeah, that's cool. And at the same time, it can be motivating. I remember the first time we I was like a brand spotlight, Public Snowboards, new brand. It's like me and Daryl at SIA with the boards launch. And there's comments. And one kid's comment is, um, nice try. Like, Nice try. Cool graphics, but I'll give it three years. And just so matter of fact. You still remember that. Still remember that. And I remember getting to three years, and I was like, yeah. Like, one kid. <laughs> Some kid you and, don't even know. And and that was such a meaningless comment. Wow. That's, a, that's an industry, bro. Yeah. That's not a kid. It's just so, like, the smugness of it. Like, nice try. Like, seen this, and, like, you'll be done in, in a bit, dime a dozen. That's like some rep sitting there that's seen a lot of brands come and go. Yeah, it was interesting. And I just remember being like, I was actually glad to see that because I'm like, all right, I'll show you. Yeah, you're all, let's do this. Yeah. So now we're going to make it three years. Yeah. Spite is a great motivator. When, we you, love when you started, you were uh, part of Stepchild, but now you've split off. Yeah. Taking it all yourself. Yeah. yeah. So that was um same thing. It, it just, we ran the brand with them and they helped us, inter- you know, get us introduced to the factory and they, they helped a ton. And then it was sort of like, they could feel it too. I was like, I want to get on my own. Like, I want to learn these things myself. I want to talk to the factory. I want to learn Are how you all go into the factories. Yeah. Yep. So we go to the factories and it was just this moment of like, I want to, when I, when this is, when it looked like it was going to be a real thing, I was like, give me the keys. Like yeah. I want to try to drive this. Thing. I got to figure this yeah. out. So they were really cool. And, and we, we had a mutual splitting of ways. Um, I had another uh, business partner that I worked with, got some stuff off the ground too. And then since then I have incorporated the guys we started it with Nick green and Josh Manolas are part owners of the brand. I gave them ownership as in like a, it's us till the end. Let's fucking do this. So I gave them ownership and, um, and it's Josh does all the art. Nick does all the sales. We work together every day and having the outside of people who maybe aren't as invested as us, I think has been really powerful. These guys are there from the very beginning mm-hmm. and they watched me give ownership to other people and they, they didn't complain. They're just like, okay, you yeah, know, okay. Cause we thought we were making those moves to better things. Yeah. And you, and you always do. And, um, and, and, Things just change, right? And but ultimately, it came down to like, we want to control everything. Like, we just didn't want people there that that had other stuff going on. Yeah. So it's been it's been us ever since, and it's been really cool. That's like, cool. Yeah, and it's very garage brand still, but uh, we're at this point now where it starts to feel like a real brand, and it's really an exciting time when we can we're kind of building a schedule for ourselves and doing these things and like just working towards something and, and it's been a really cool process for the consumer that doesn't know too. Maybe they, they think the, the, 
the image outwardly facing that public is a is a big brand, but you're out there packing box like yeah. boxes yourself. Absolutely, right? yeah. And you know, even like funny stories, like we I was in Bear for I think hot dogs and handrails. Our boards were supposed to show up, and it looked like they were going to be two weeks late. Then like kind of shops wanted them. They're going to be in Chicago, and Nick lived in Chicago, and uh, and they were like, yeah, your your next shipment is you know on the seventeenth. And I was like, what? Why? Like, they're in this, they're at this place. Well, yeah, that's the only time the truck will come and get them. What if we got a U-Haul and we grabbed our boards from, your, from the spot? Pfft, you're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah, we are. What if we grabbed a U-Haul? Can we, fit, can we legally come and pick up our shipment? I mean, yeah, legally you can. Is they were like, in customs or something? They just, it was truckers. Like, uh, it was truckers. waiting for a truck to load them up. Yeah. And just waiting for all, like, the middle stuff. Logistics. Logistics. So we were like, what if we grabbed a U-Haul and we went and picked up our boards? And we did. We got a U-Haul. We got loaded them to, the to the brim. Earlier. We got them to the shop to earlier. hit on time. Yeah. It's so important. Let's get yeah. an arrow into that. <laughs> You're late to those shops, man. They'd only give you so many chances. Uh, yeah. So it's crucial. And that to was do the that. thing, just knowing how much. And again, it was like one of those things where I just wanted to fucking show up and do it differently. I didn't want to wait. I didn't want to wait for for the truck to get around to it yeah. two weeks later. It's like they're there. Let's just go make it happen. Let's and that's kind of the way we've been doors. doing it, like ever since. Like, yeah, we'll we'll go to Nick's, pack boxes, we'll tag T-shirts. We're doing it our way, like, because we, I want to have a hand in everything. And I like that. I want to be able to say if, I, if we fucked up on something, one of us fucked up. Yeah. I can't blame it on a third-party warehouse that messed up. And they just don't work the same as when you do it for yourself. No. And, and Nick is, is insane. Nick does all the sales, and he also packs a ton of shit. Like, I'm on this trip right now. If we sell something, he's, he, gonna pack he's it. packing it. Yeah. Let's give him an air horn. Yes. That's awesome. And all the stuff at Nick's house and his wife is, is cool. With, like, the basement is our warehouse pretty yeah. much. And she's rad too, because she's like, I don't want you guys to waste money on that. Yeah, save the overhead, store she's it here. Down. Yeah, I mean, you made those guys part owners, and it gives them the, the yeah, they the feel juice to yeah. back you up and yeah. really invest their time and they do it right. Feel, yeah, they feel a real part of it, and and I think that's the thing too is like just our attention, our attention to it all. I just want to have it be that way, so we can just know that we are. In control of everything. It seems like you started that company yesterday. I can't believe five, <laughs> five years. years. I would have <laughs> said two years. If I was going to say two or three, maybe, but five. That's so crazy how it's fast crazy. time goes. Yeah. So, so uh, I kind of want to pivot. Yeah. Classic Let's word. Pivot. Uh, beating the dead horse here. <laughs> um, so one thing we got to talk about, and I know you've talked about it before, but maybe not all of our listeners have heard about this story. And um, you have a six-year history with a certain rail. Uh, yeah. and ultimately this rail landed you on the cover of Snowboarder magazine, and it's a goddamn Cinderella story. <laughs> it really is a Cinderella story. <laughs> Can you just run us through that? For the people that have already heard it, well, I'm sorry, but we're we're getting into it again. <laughs> yeah, well, the behind-the-beam thing is pretty much about all about that, but, I mean, it comes back to the same shit of, like, I just can't let it go. Like, we were, we were I watched a video, VG movie, and it's Nima and Jed at the top of that rail in Omaha. And they're pretending to go down it. Like, they're pretending to hit it. And I'll just remember that was the start of it. I texted Meyer. I'm like, where's that thing? He's like, it's in Omaha. It's impossible. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, it's impossible. I'm like, well, I want to see it at least. Know, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll go to Omaha. We'll just breeze by it. We'll just go take a look. Breeze by it yeah. in Omaha like yeah. there's any other then, reason to go there. Yeah. So then, of course, we, like, look at it, and I'm like... <laughs> shit like i gotta try it and we organize a trip and try it and just just one of those things it felt like it was maybe i was wasting everyone's time every because watching it has got to be so painful 20 feet and jump off 15 feet jump off 
27 feet jump up. Was that close? Guys, <laughs> I think I got it. <laughs> well, also, back this up. You were flying to Omaha to get there. Yeah. A tri- he's, yeah. He's flying there to hit this rail, mind you. Yeah. So the first time, there's no fucking snow. That oh, was- yeah, yeah. The fir- Well, that was when we were in Oslo together. And Meyer, uh, we were in Oslo, and Meyer's like, there's four inches of snow. Like, should we go? We flew from Oslo to <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> And it's like 58 degrees, and we wake up at 7 a.m., and it's just snow melting. We built a snow drop in the night before, like four feet from the rail. So you I like, like jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, as long as I get on, I could probably kind of <laughs> balance. Your, how long is this rail? I mean, I think it was, uh, I don't even know, 87 double stairs or something like that. Oh, 87 double stairs. Something, something like that. I think we counted it. I don't really remember. And we got autographed prints of this too, right? Dude, yeah, we do. We got autographed prints at bombhole.com. But the first few tries, let's be real, they were fucking pathetic. pathetic. <laughs> like you made it like 10 feet down the rail. There's that one in where I jump on and I instantly jump to the left and hit the stairs and roll down the stairs. <laughs> and just picture it's Meyer 300 yards with a cam- on a tripod and then me. Like imagine the mental just like fuck. Like just so mad. And flew there to do this. Flew there to do that. It's It's like... And it's fucking. And then I remember you were like, he lost the battle or something. Or Myers like, he lost the battle. He didn't win the war. Didn't lose the war or something. Because mm-hmm. you were like, how'd it go? And it's a picture of me just on the concrete. Oh like, yeah, dude. in a mental pretzel, just like. Any God. tears shed on this rail? Tears were shed um, when I came close and the winch broke. We, I was used to winch into it. That was the old move. And I was kind of close, and the winch like blew out, and I not tears. I was just I don't so think bummed. the viewers and listeners know that you get emotionally invested in these. Oh yeah, pretty wild. Things. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it doesn't. Even matter. And once you're vested, man, it's on. You need to make it happen, whether it's a trick or uh, a no- feature. Nothing else matters at yeah. that point. It could be like even the thing I filmed the other day. I'm like kind of stressed. Like it's just once it's, you're attached, it's on. Huh? But it's cool to recognize that at the same time. I'm like. How cool is that to know I still give a shit? Yeah. If I didn't care, I'd be laughing. And, ah, throw my board in the car and we'll go somewhere else. But And you'll leave. Yeah, but I'm yeah, like, but I'm pissed care. and I care and I just like, I want to accomplish something. <laughs> and now in my career, it's it means so much more to me. Like I'm way more aware of it. But but yeah, back to that. I don't think I shed tears then. I shed tears when I got to the, when I landed it. I bet. I cried. So, so how many trips back to the the rail? Yeah. Well, I think 5. So you went there 5 times over 6 years to I try to go something to the like that. Yeah, we would come really VG, we'd go and we'd always look at the weather and there was like three main sessions of all day. And then on that trip that I did it, it was in Omaha and I it was the first thing we did. So much pressure. We get steak and eggs. The whole thing, way too much pressure we, was built onto get, it. Just just tell the whole story of the steak and eggs and all this shit. Oh, like the steak, just going, waking up in the morning? Waking up in the, the waking, waking up in the morning knowing you're going to this fucking behemoth of a rail that's like 400 feet long, trying to go to the end. Yeah, and we had a, win- we had a winch that day, and yeah, it's just like too much pressure was built into it. Steak and eggs, everyone like rubbing your shoulders, like, Joey, you got this, dude. <laughs> I do. Because huh? everyone flew just, in just for that. Everyone was there. It was Cole and Spencer, Danimals, and and um, Jake Durham, and, and Meyer, and Meyer, like, lo- Meyer's been with me through the whole thing. Through every so he's thick like, and thin. He's just like, yeah, just, just everyone's as so as you are. He is maybe more maybe invested, more. yeah. And, uh, but it was like too much pressure because I, I was just like, everyone's way, we'd whole day blocked off for this. I bought like a bag of trail mix and, you know, beef jerky, just like going to war. Basically Spencer's like trying to get me water. I'm like, I'm good. I'm fine. Bring it back. <laughs> it's a lot of stairs to walk up, dude. A lot of stairs to walk up. And then didn't get it that day. 
and and that day I didn't feel it at all. Like I didn't really? even come close. And then so I was like, I was like, that was bummer because I'm like, we came here for this. I'm just like, maybe this is never gonna happen. Then we go and we film. Those guys get tons of cool shit on the trip. And I don't know if you heard that part of the story, but uh, Danimals and Jake or Jake Durham and Danimals are leaving town. I drove with them. It's like we gotta go. Dan's got this ride shoot. And I'm like, well, that's my ride. I gotta go. And Meyer, classic Meyer. Well, if you're not committed, then. You know, someone else will do it. So, <laughs> dude. And for, he, for the listeners, Meyer started Videograss, the uh, production company. Yeah, go ahead, though. He made me so... He knows how to push my buttons because I was so pissed because I was trying to justify it. Well, I got to go with them. I got... And he's like... he's like, I mean, we would have flown... We flew from Oslo here. You're here. Yeah. You're going to leave? And I'm like, oh, fuck, he's right. And I thought it was a big fit about like, hey, get, a, get a plane ticket, like all this stuff. And <laughs> Bob's there to shoot photos and... Finally, I'm just like, he's right. Ultimately, he's right. And he usually is right. He just knew how to, if he would have been like, cool, have a good trip. I would have like got home and been like, what was I, what was I doing? Yeah. Like, I just was like looking for an out kind of. And he kept me there. So it was like, I'm respect. <laughs> I'm like glad he kept me there. Because then it was like we had an afternoon and one more day to do it. No pressure at all. It was like Spencer wanted to hit something that night. We had like three hours to kill. We built a snow drop in before. We'll go try Joe's thing for three hours and we'll go to Spencer's thing. And I think I did it in like 20 or 30 tries that day. Wow. It was Natty Speed. Again, I had a kit on I was feeling. It was like my favorite fucking thrift store sweater. And like this hat, I just like looked down. I felt good. And even Cole was like, I just felt it. You could tell you were feeling it and you felt good. And and then it just worked. And it was like not many things in my career have made me feel those feelings. Because it is just something stupid. It's a long rail you just got to the end of. But it was a culmination of like work ethic and wanting to accomplish something. And that's always been my favorite thing throughout my whole career is like finding big shit, try to get to the end of it. Like I just, it was kind of a cool, like Lance said it, he's like, that's like your opus. Like, you know, there's something that you've, mm-hmm. you did this type of snowboarding and now you've kind of like done this thing. And so it was really, that was really fucking cool. It was sick that those guys were there and they ran down and then I was, yeah, I was like crying. Cause it's just like, honestly didn't know if I could do it. And then when I did it and just held on and rode off and like conquered it, I was stoked. And you got your first cover of first, snowboarder, yeah, first in cover a of long snowboarder. career by Bob Plum. Bob yeah. Plum. And I remember thinking that too. I'm up on the dropping ramp and I hear his drone. I'm like, what is he doing with that drone? Because like, <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of moving around, shoot, trying to shoot it long, like way over there. And and this drone, I'm like, oh, drone, great. And then <laughs> and then that was the try. I get to the end and the drone. That was the try. That's nope, the, that was that's the, the photo. No way. One try. I love that you're like, this fucking drone ends up being a cover. Ends like, up being drone. a cover. Okay. I, Dude, okay. It's so I'll long. give you that one. <laughs> Dude, it's so long. I don't know how else you'd shoot that and that thing. was the thing. And when I, when I saw the photo on his, because he had it on, like, he's just like, here's the photo. I was just like, that was really cool. Because it, it's hard to shoot long. It's hard to do it justice. And, yeah. And, but I do remember being like, drone, great. And then <laughs> that was the try. That was the try I got. Wow. Cinderella people, story. Such a Cinderella <laughs> story. And also the long rails, I think I, I've gotten DMs, like, uh, you know, certain tricks. I've Whatever. People are like, dude, that wasn't difficult. Like, I, I, I could do that. Like, a person that doesn't street snowboard yeah. might look at something like that and be like, I can do that. But then, you know, you, you realize... This took six years and thousands of tries. I don't know if a lot of but, people are looking at that thing. Yeah, but I'm just saying, some people it. might be thinking that, and it's a lot more difficult than it looks. It's difficult, but in all honesty, they probably could. It's still <laughs> that, a 50-50. Oh, true. It's yeah, a 50-50. That's a good point. It's it, like you can... Just takes you, that one. If you want to put in the time, 
Someone could do a third first try. Who yeah. knows? Like that's a great point. It's, it's honestly like, the craps like are all... which is kind of sick. It's like I don't know. It took that many tries to get it, but why did I do it in twenty tries that day? You know, why look, did it just work? Look good, feel good. Look good, so, feel good. Well, trial and error. You ultimately is landed that rail out. longer than the coke card rail? Yeah, which is right behind them. Yeah, coke card rail's uh, steep, which is probably easier to go to the end of. So, is this the longest rail ever done, or what? I mean, I don't know about all that. We get Guinness out yeah, there. Yeah, we go and Guinness <laughs> on this one. I think we wanted to try to do something like that. It'd be cool to know. It'd be cool to see. But I mean, we've are the people to ask. We study this shit. Let's see. Let's see. I, I can't think of one that's longer. If there is more, hats off to them. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't do it to conquer the. It was just definitely the longest solid street rail piece ever. Of rail. It was like an anomaly. There's no there's no welds oh, in it. Really? It's one big piece of rail. In the, there's no other rail. You, it's in the middle of this. Maybe field. it was made by aliens. Maybe it could well, be. They, they would have had know. to weld it together. They just probably buffed the welds okay, properly and painted it. It might be yeah. one of the. Uh, there's no way a, a truck. No, hauled, I think two uh, guys <laughs> hold that. Dude, it, it might be like a, a great mystery. One of the. It could be like the an ninth alien. wonder of the world. But it is, it's dead straight. That's how was the, the like, pyramid no, built? How was Joe's rail built? Nobody knows. Maybe it's like one of those things where they found the mirror out in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. You see that. The monolith. This, the model. It's like yeah. a monolith. It was just yeah. there. Yeah. It could be. I don't know. We'll call it the monolith. It was a cool moment. I remember, like, I t- my girlfriend, I started dating this, my girlfriend, and then I was like, she knew I was, I'm going to Omaha to try this thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like one of those kind of like, been trying this for a long time. And, uh, and then I did it. I was like, babe, I did it. And she's like crying too. And it, it, she knew how much it like meant to me. And it was a cool moment. And then it, even like the coolest was my friends from back home. Just hearing about it, like snakes, Venmo's me like twenty bucks. Buy margaritas tonight, like Dude. just a cool like. I missed that Lord of the Ropes thing at Troll uh. and Pete's like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "Oh my!" He's like, "Oh, trying the rail." I'm like, "Yeah, I think so." Like <laughs> it was just like a cool thing that people kind of knew about. So I got the call too. I think uh, Justin, I believe, telling me, and I, and he's like, "Joe did it." I'm like, no fucking way. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought you had no fucking <laughs> chance ever. Like yeah. I was like, "Dude, what an idiot!" Yeah. He's never going to the end yeah. of that thing. And even Myers like I remember thinking for fifty we're coming back to this and I'm like I would <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know we just it was a thing that we were gonna keep going back to for sure yeah that's gonna be great you're gonna be at the bar like fifty years old when I when I did the three hundred footer I, uh... <laughs> is that in my bag is that covered in my bag let me see if I have this that's weird it's in my bag <laughs> go ahead read uh, me the view count what does that say what is that? <laughs> well going back to your lady crying I've got some feedback that people like hearing about the significant other of uh, our guess, and I do think it takes a strong woman to a well date your ass, and yeah. then b deal with the travel. You know, it's it's like yeah. you know what what these uh, it takes a special lady to the, deal with the travel. Yeah, these these it significant does. others of pro boarders, be it male or female, put up with the, it's it's tough on them. So so let's give her an air horn and thank talk, you. Talk about yeah, it. that's my girlfriend Chrissy. Um, she is awesome. I mean, we've been dating for two years, and uh, I think the thing that I was just thinking about when you said that is like, if you're a, you know, a pro hockey player or a football, there's a schedule. There's no schedule with what we're doing. And they don't understand why you just came from Helsinki and why you're going to Des Moines tomorrow <laughs> or like Omaha or something, you know? And I think even still they watch the videos and stuff. They don't understand all the intricacies of what mm-hmm. goes into it because it's like, Hey, you guys are all in the same room. Like, eh, what? <laughs> yeah. We're in the same room. And like, you know, what are you doing? And then it's like, also, you're scaring yourself. There's just so many things that go into like what is going on on a trip that if a if a girl was in there getting in your head, it's gonna like mess with your psyche for the trip. So it does take a strong woman to um, 
for myself, it does take someone like who understands what you're going through and makes that process easier. Mm-hmm. And she's rad. She's like, did you get a clip today? Like I, I used to think that would be like my nightmare because I used to not date girls that snowboarded, but that stokes me out now. I'm like, she gets it. She knows that I care about this and that this is my life and that I'm working towards something. So she knows what getting a clip means. I'm like, that's pretty cool, you know? And she's also been really good about roping me in to like helping me with these fucking mental issues and things like that. Having a ton of patience and yeah, it's not easy dating me. I can promise you. <laughs> it's tough too. They don't know. You might leave in one day's notice, six hours notice. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. And, the, and there's always like, no schedule. there's always an event. Like it's a friend's birthday or a thing. And you're just like, I can't go. Yeah. And it's like having someone who understands that is huge. And I think a lot of, some people, some like partners think they could. And then it's when it's, when push comes to shove, it's, it's they not can't. super easy. Yeah. yeah. You got to have a ride or die for that. Yeah. A lot of them aren't, aren't ride or dies, but going back to uh, what you said too, the schedule thing's huge. Cause you know, you think about a significant other going to work, coming home. That's, that's probably chances are what they're doing, you know? And, yeah. um, and then having like, Basically, what, like prolonged adolescence. Like as as a as a pro snowboarder, yeah. we we're just like idiot eighteen yeah. year olds trapped in a thirty some odd year old body that haven't really you know we're still on trips with eighteen year olds. We're still yeah. we're still doing dumb shit. So it's nice when uh, they put up with us in certain times. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> when you come. Sometimes you come back from a trip and you're just like a pile. Like you need to decompress. Yeah, and or, readjust. Or maybe they dated someone who like worked a nine to five like them, and they're just like. Are you, what are you doing today? I'm working. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working right now. And they're just like, are you though? I'm like, yes, I am. All right. We have a guest question. The guest question is presented by Solomon. Now this guest question is from a man we have talked about a lot in this episode. It's Justin Meyer. We referred to him as Justin and Meyer. He started Videograss and he's filmed you struggle on top of rails for <laughs> yeah. many trials, tribulations, defeats, and victories. Oh, yeah. He's seen me in the ups and the downs for sure. So let's give Meyer an air horn before yeah, we get into definitely. this. Maybe let's give him the crazy air horn. That- yeah. yeah. He's another one I didn't. I got to thank. That one just keeps going. That one's crazy. <laughs> Is there anything in between those air horns? No, no. It's just Love it. There's one, and then there's the super air horn. I got to thank Justin Meyer for everything he's done for me, too. He let me in video grass and gave me a shot to film with him and he's helped me so much with just being open to anything. And yeah, I got to just unlimited thanks to Justin Meyer. Uh, beautiful. Well, let's get into this question. Here we go. Hey Joe, how's it going? So, uh, I know you filmed probably about 15 or 16 video parts, many of those first or last parts. I wanted to know what are your thoughts? What should, uh, the, the youth do moving forward? Do we continue to film video parts? And how important is that? Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that question. I, th- I think we should definitely continue to film video parts. I think it's what drives the culture. And maybe I'm biased because it's the same way I looked at technical difficulties as my North Star of like, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And I think the, mud- the waters get muddy a little bit with Instagram, but I think it should still boil down to like, a video part is the true measure of, of what you did that year. I think Instagram clips are cool and, and it's awesome to show that you're doing stuff. And I think content's great, but saving something and curating something with a song and the spots and the feel, I hope never goes out of style because to me, it's just like, 
you can do everything you can, but can you do it, you know, for three minutes on the, in a part that, and deal with all those failures and kickouts and spots not working out and the mental anguish that goes into it to put out something of merit with, a, with that long, you know? So I think it gets scary with the culture kind of looks like it not looking like it's going away from that, but just hoping that that's preserved because for me, it's, it's, it's everything. It's the key thing for our culture. Yeah. I couldn't imagine snowboarding without videos in magazines. Yeah. The culture would just change. And yeah. I think people are going to realize that. And I think so too. They're going to happen. And I think everything comes in a cycle and there's probably times where people are like, this is the future, but music that you use and like everything that it comes with is like the feeling, the feeling. And, yeah. and then you see them riding that board, you know, that was, that was, they must've filmed it last year cause it's next year's board and it's in stores now. And I think there's, there still should be that level of like just people looking at that as like, and I, I will say like this Vans thing that came out, it's like, to me, that's like, that's professionalism. It's like, it's put together so well and the evergreen music, video. Evergreen, yeah. Okay the music's on point and you look at the writing and they just look like they're fucking serious about what they're doing. And, and they're everything that makes the cut in that is top notch quality snowboarding. And there's a lot of stuff left on the cutting room floor, but that's what it takes to get in a video these days. And I think there should be a measuring stick of like, you got to get to here to be where these guys are at. And I think that is uh, I don't want to see that line get, keep getting dropped. Cause it's like personal best, you know, like we talk about, there should be like, when I was, I remember Sean Johnson said that to me. I was doing backcountry shit. And I did like a back seven in the backcountry. It's like, that was really good for me. He's like, we're not going to celebrate mediocrity. We're not going to celebrate your personal best. If it's not industry standard, it's not making the movie. I was like, first of all, ouch. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, but then I, I got it. You know, I understood what he was saying. So yeah, we're definitely in a culture of heavy celebration of mediocrity these days. Sometimes. But, all right, Joey. Uh, we've been chatting for a good amount of time here. And I think maybe. Let's do maybe 20 more minutes or see, see where we end up, but start rounding the corner on wrapping this thing up. And one thing that our listeners let us know that they really love to hear about, and I want to hear about as well, is your setup. So um, right, repeat, set, uh, describe for people that are listening and they're not watching so you, so, so you can explain it. And okay. Do you do anything particular to it? Um, I don't really do anything particular to my setup. My stance changes every time I set up a board. What? <laughs> yeah. I just stand on the bolts and I'm like, eh, that feels good. And then I put the bindings on. I care a little bit about width. Like I'll, if it feels too skinny or too wide, you don't measure it. I don't measure it. I have just to be like, what am I at? And then, but I, if I set up a new board, it just, it is, it gets where it's, where it gets. I just got these bindings and I just kind of threw them on. And I do that every time. I don't know why. That's I wild. dull, I dull the shit out of my edges a lot. I take an angle grinder to my edges. Really? I, I like that. How do you ride Highland when it's icy? I don't turn. I, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of <laughs> power slide. So if I'm coming into some, whereas like Dan will do a nice like, mine kind of power slides. There's like some purest Northwest reef chiefs throwing up in their mouth right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just, I've always kind of done that. I don't know why, but I, I'll just, I draw my edges a bunch. Um, forward lean? No forward lean. I take the thing off. I don't oh, like you're one of the lean. people that takes them right off. I don't care about that. Um, size board flex, all that. I ride a 149 board. That's the public disorder. Um, I ride that board right now. That's actually my, my pro model, uh, public disorder. I have some union stratas on that are brand new to the setup this year. So I'm riding those, um, 32, I ride the, uh, 32, 
That's the Shifty Boa, <laughs> which is kind of a lower-end boot, but I fucking love that boot. I think I've been riding that exact boot for, like, a couple years, and it's been lasting, and I just, like, I kind of like the Boa, and I'm honestly not super picky, and I think that's, like, a weird, a weird thing, but I just, every board we make, I'm like, this board's sick. These bindings are sick. Like, as long as it doesn't feel crazy out of the gate, I don't like super stiff boots, and I think that would be something that I'd be like, this isn't working, but, yeah, other than that, L1 outerwear, I ride the Aftershock pant and fucking like, I just, that's about it. Black pants. And then <laughs> and you um, prefer a sweater to a jacket. I'll pre- I probably prefer a sweater to a jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a thrift store bought sweater. It, yeah. For the listeners, a lot of people don't know, it doesn't take much to throw Joe into an absolute outfit crisis. <laughs> you can just be like, God, Joe, those pants look, they look a little tight. They look, those look a little tight. Well, it's funny because it used to be those look a little baggy. They're not baggy. They're skin tight. <laughs> These are perfect. And then now I'm like, they look a little tight. I'm like, eh, do they shit? Like, yeah. I mean, for people that don't know, it's like, I also, I like, I think I talked to you about that. I like just having fun with it. I'm aware that I'm a psycho with gear and clothing, but to me, it's fucking fun. It's fun to talk about why you're influenced by things. It's fun to talk about why things look a certain way. And some people like to pretend they just rolled out of bed and had this great idea for this kit. Everyone's inspired by their things. And it's fun to be more, a little bit more like, let's just enjoy what we're doing here and, and call it like it is. <laughs> well, dude, straight up, it's, uh, that, that's such a better quote. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that guy's been watching a lot of Elijah Burrow lately, it looks like. Yeah. And you see their look and you're like, yeah, yeah. So like it's, yeah. Don't be defensive about it. Yeah. You call a spade a spade. Exactly. Like, there's some people who are just like, what are you talking about? I didn't see that. And it's like the exact <laughs> kit. And you're just like, all right. Like but, it uh, just happened. To it just happen happened. With them and like I just had this idea. Well, I don't yeah. know. Where let's from. go. Let's stay on this because you were you were. Well, let's let's let me just from my perspective explain. You were tight pants, Tech yeah. Nine jersey at a time. Well, maybe kind of like a yeah. little bit, like lost. Not you hadn't found yourself. I hadn't found. I myself. swear it was like tighter pants and a jer- yep. baggy yep. jersey. Yep, and, and that, that was to be I honest. I kind of like that look. That was more. The most original look I had. <laughs> like, like that was the most, I was like feeling myself. No one really looked like that. So I was like, damn, this is kind of dope. Then it turned into, um, I never really went full baggy. Then I uh, started to get, it was basically because Hebel and those guys were wearing baggy love hate. And then when Hebel started wearing slimmer stuff, I was like, I guess I'm wearing slim stuff. Yeah, Hebel went because, full slim down. And it just looked sick and like, whatever that shit speaks to you in a certain way. Like I remember looking at Cooley footage from like new video and feeling like react, like just, it was just sick. And so, and my friends were wearing that stuff and we go sew our pants together and all that stuff. Hey, you had some tight pants. Went real tight for a while. The Shane, the Shane cross, like yep. tied, he had like a tie dye hippie. And yeah. then he started doing a peace sign on a signature. Yeah. Kind of got married to that. Yeah. Too. Stuck he, with that. Huh? Yeah. Still, locked in. I got a couple of them that I signed that had the peace sign still. Still throws the peace sign. But you know, what's funny about that is oddly enough, that's when I was like almost my most confident. I was dating a girl we were, and she was in college and I had giraffe print pants. You know, giraffe, like the animal, giraffe print pants, an open Hawaiian shirt, a tie dye shirt underneath that, a headband, and long hair. And I'd walk around with her and be like, what's everyone looking at, dude? Like, I was like, what? It couldn't be me. Because I, I look, <laughs> that's a I kid. Don't, dude. I don't look crazy at all. And, and uh, like, I remember like showing up at her house and like getting just actually laughed at by like her friends. And I'm like, what are they laughing at? <laughs> so, like, then I was the most confident. And then it's kind of just gone like, I don't know. For some reason, the other way lately, but yeah, yeah. The, I just like that that calling a spade a spade. Like, <clears throat> yeah, sure. I'm 
I'm into some tight pants now. I'm watching this. I'm yeah. watching Cooley. And now I'm into baggy. I'm watching this. Like, yeah. fuck it. You know? Things change. Function changes. That shit wasn't very functional. I it's was, interesting I, how some people stick a style whole career. And then other people, like, kind of mix around with what they're feeling and, at the time. And that's respectable, too, for sure. Yeah. But I'm just way too, like, I like changing. I like fashion. I like that things change. Yeah, if you're I think in the fashion, you're going to change I with the think times. it's cool that this was cool this time and this is cool now. And I think that's more fun to adapt to and just have fun with than no i'm i'm this dude i still look sick it's like yeah it's like things change and, things change. and i just like i like just rolling with it a little bit more um and so now yeah where i still feel i want to feel as comfortable as i did even though i'm wearing something different it's still chasing that i feel good in this mm-hmm. and that's what everyone's chasing if i put on those same jeans and no gloves i'm gonna be like i am <laughs> so feel so crazy right now you know and it was like jeans and no gloves is not functional in Finland either. Yeah. So now I'm like, okay, a snow pant, some mitts, a jacket when it's cold. Yeah. yeah there's some days in Finland, man, where you need the proper gear. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting seeing like how different some genres of snowboarding are, right? We're sitting there talking about the fucking outfits or do like, oh yeah, I like the snowboard in a sweater. It's like, then you got people that are probably listening to this that like only split board on top of giant mountains. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. I wear like head to toe Gore-Tex and well, they I won't even function. let yeah. cotton touch their body. <laughs> yeah. Man. yeah. And he's like, ah. it's not Merino wool. Like, yeah. like, I don't Merino or nothing. Yeah. That's and, and that's cool too. Whatever. Like I think, but I think there is something funny about um, certain people who there's still looks in everything. Like even though you got to, like a Carhartt thing. It's like working, man. Like it's still a look. Everyone's kind of going for a look, you know, hockey players are wearing, they don't just wear Lululemon and like these things. Cause it's, it's like everyone looks a certain way. And I, I'm fascinated by like the looks and that people are like, even like try so hard to, to be anti caring about what they dress like, but you still care. Even that backcountry guy, man, there's all that certain gear they gotta have or else they're not looking right with their crew. Even the average person, like, why did you buy that? Jack, that shirt from like Nordstrom because it felt good, or the Patagonia jacket. I mean, you can't explain why it feels have. good. You yeah. just do. So yeah. it's like I think that's more interesting than anything. Like no one wears stuff they don't feel comfortable in. You got to feel comfortable in your skin and yeah. feel good, or else you guys aren't going to have the uh, ego to pull off what you pull off. You have to feel good, look good, ride good. Well, confidence is different than ego. Those are two different things. Yeah, ego, they ego, blend those together. Are, a those bit. are no, they're two totally. Yeah, different. I guess those are two, two totally different. Entities, ego and confidence, they're not to be confused. You're not going to have a good ego. I guess if you have a super good ego, you can wear anything and pull it off. But even people who you think are the most confident. No, right. Confidence and ego are two separate things. Explain the difference. Okay, so let me try to do this well. Like, um, ego ego is the the body is is telling yourself that that you're... Let's start by explaining the ego of what the opposite ego is, right? Like... Uh, and it's all, it's all, fuck, it's all contingent on situations. But, um, I, I mean, I could be wrong in my explanation, but I'll, I'll take a stab at it here. So, so like just take, uh, for example, open-mindedness, right? So like open-mindedness would be, uh, the opposite of, of I'm right. I, I'm right is ego. I'm right is ego. Now I'm right is not the same as confidence, right? Okay. Me being right is not the same as me being confident in my answer. I'm like the ego is like stubborn and it's fucking, it protects us in a lot of ways, but it's different than feeling really fucking good. Confidence okay. is feeling really good. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is by definition, but the, it feels like, 
oh, I, I got this shit. Like, I got... Ego is the thing that, like, wants to make you think you're better than people. Ego is yeah, the thing okay. that wants to fucking put other people down to make yourself feel good. Confidence is like, dude, I feel good. I got this. Those yeah. are two totally different worlds. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you nailed that pretty much. Yeah, that's... Yeah, and what were you saying in regards to Stone? Ego, you were saying oh, your ego feels good or something I like mean, that. just if you... I guess it's your confidence yeah. would have been the right word. Yeah, yeah. It makes you more confident to look good. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, the ego thing is interesting because that, that is like the little voice in your head that's telling you... Ego operates at a self-interest is an entirely different thing. Oh, sick. Take a uh, self-righteous attitude and judge others along the way. Okay. Where confidence is to have faith in your own abilities and believe in yourself. Oh, wow. Damn, that's cool. But that's pretty much what he said. It is, but that's a cool, like, official definition of it. Sweet to know that. That is the official definition. Well, I feel like that's a good thing to to kind of take this ship out on. Um, Before we get out of here, I feel like there might be some people that listen to this podcast and they're like, damn, Public Snowboards kicks ass. Where can they buy one and support you and uh, find you on the internet? Yeah, you can buy one at your local shop. If you have trouble finding a local shop, send us a DM. Our Instagram is at this is public. My personal one is at Joe Sexton eighteen seventeen. You can hit up either one and, and ask about where to get one. We also have an online store that we sell some boards to uh, people who don't have a shop by them. Um, yeah, and also I just want to say we do. Su- I appreciate anyone that supports what we've done. Shops, kids, distributors. You know, Josh and Nick. Everyone. This is much bigger than myself. Like for this thing to move and where it's gotten to takes a lot of moving parts and a lot of help and support from a lot of people. So I do want to just say thanks to anyone who's ever bought a board or just supported what we do. I love it. It's awesome. It. You guys got a dealer locator on the site too? Yeah, we have a stockist list. Yeah, Sick. but so it changes so much that it's kind of like just hit us up and, and I think that's we the can, best way. Yeah, we can help you find a shop. And, and uh, But stockist kinda, tells you who has product at a certain time? No, stockist is just a list of like, uh, here's the shops that we're yeah, in. Yeah. But, but I mean, it does change because like we have, if we get a new distributor, it opens up a whole new gotcha. kind of channel. So it's best to just, just hit us up. Just holler. Holler, yeah. I think we're at a point where. I like hearing from people and I want to start that conversation. So mm-hmm. it's like, if it starts with where can I find a board, it might end with, you know, something cool and, and we get into a cool conversation. So I, uh, I do appreciate that too. Uh, also what's next for Joe Sexton? Uh, next for me is I want to film a, a video part this year. <laughs> I'm really stoked on, um, I took the last kind of couple years off two years ago was I got that rail and that was like, I didn't have much footage around that. And then last year I had some personal stuff going on, mom passing away and, and focusing a little bit more on the business side of things. And it was sort of a nice removal from the whole thing. And now I realize not even then, but just that I want to keep doing this shit. So I want to, I'm going to film a part. I want to film another good part and work hard and be a little more intentional about what it, what it's going towards and what it, what it means to me and continue to grow public and continue to fuck better myself. And I just want to keep this path that I'm on kind of going is, is pretty much it. Love it, man. Um, and then before we get out of here, you have anybody you want to thank for that's helped you along this way, along the journey. Uh, I want to thank everyone. My, my, my mom, my dad, my girlfriend, my brother, my sister, just like my whole family and all my friends, like anyone that's, supported what we've done with public or myself. I want to thank every team manager that put me on and gave me a chance. Sean Johnson gave me my first real chance to do something with this. There's too many people to thank. Um, but I want to thank anyone that's just helped me in any way. 
And I want to thank you guys for putting me on. This is sick. I love what you guys are doing. I fucking wish you guys the best. And, and I really am honored to be, to be on this with you, with you guys. So stoked to have you, Joe. Thank you, dude. I appreciate that. We appreciate you. We appreciate you guys listening. And we're going to wrap up this episode. We will see you next week over and out from the bomb hole. Okay, another fun combo in the books. Now, Joe wanted me to remind you guys that if you're interested in buying a public snowboard, head on over to publicsnowboards.com. He forgot to plug that in the episode. Um, they are a rad brand. So if you're looking for a snowboard, head on over to publicsnowboards.com and support Joe. Now, if you want to support us, uh, you can head on over to bombhole.com where we have signed Joe Sexton prints. We also have our merch which you guys continue to buy, and I want to say thank you. And that's where you can find a link to our Patreon. Lastly, I just want to say thank you guys for sharing each and every week, supporting us. You guys kick ass, and we will see you again next week with another episode. Peace.